Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome on in. Appreciate you hanging out with us. I am Rob Ellis. My man, Bill Colarulo, has jumped into the fray. Fresh off his show. Bill, what's going on, my man? How you making out? All good, my brother. How are you today? Uh, I'm good, man. I think we're all collectively, uh, you know, licking the wounds, if you will, uh, in the Delaware Valley after what went down on Sunday to the 49ers. Of course, you can catch Bill uh, not only uh, as the host of Legal Hands to the Face, but also host of the Philly Sports Power Hour each and every Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. right here on Jacob Sports. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We the good, the good thing about you and I doing this today is we didn't have a chance to talk about this yesterday or and or Sunday uh, after the loss, but a lot to get to. Let's start with the news, which came down yesterday after uh, Tone and I got off the air. It became official. The Eagles signed Shaq Leonard. To a one-year deal. Um, all right, Bill. So here are the uh, the measurables, if you will. Uh, he's 28 years old. He was the second-round pick of the Colts in 2018. He burst on the scene to had major impact uh, as soon as he got on the on the scene in the NFL. Defensive Rookie of the Year led the NFL in tackles his rookie year. He's a three-time All-Pro in 18, 20, and 21. 2019 second-team All-Pro, three Pro Bowls. Uh, 2021 signed a five-year. $99.25 million deal, 52.5 of which was guaranteed after that season. This is when everything started to change. He had surgery on his back to correct nerves impaired by discs. Uh, he missed the first three games recovering in 22. Week four, he gets a concussion and his nose is broken. Week 10, he has a setback with the back. 2023, he's waived after nine games. He basically you know, complained that he was unhappy with his playing time. They got him out of there. He decided this week to sign with the Eagles over the Cowboys. Now, what kind of impact are you expecting? Can you have any idea what the impact is going to be? I know what I'm hoping the impact is going to be, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of taken the sting out of that 49ers domination is we're all just hoping, hey, well, we have our savior coming. Yeah. But the reality is I don't think we can expect him to be the guy he was just the question 
is 50% Shaq Leonard better than what you got from Nick Morrow, yeah. what you were getting from Christian Ellis. And I just don't know because it's unfortunate, Rob. You, you read off all those stats. Right before he had that back surgery, 2021 was one of his best seasons. He was, he was really good. It wasn't like you saw any decline from this guy. Mm-hmm. But then the back surgery, 2023 so far this season, his, his game's definitely improved. So he was better this year than he was last year for sure. But I just had Mark Farzetta on the Power Hour. He made a great point. And you heard Nick Sirianni talk at his press conference yesterday about all the relationships that Nick Sirianni has in Indianapolis. So they were able to get as much inside information yeah, as, you could, yeah. as you could possibly get about this guy. So I'm hoping and praying that he has just a little bit left in the tank. We don't even need him for a full season. We only need him for a few more games and a playoff run. But it's got to be better, Rob, than what they got from Nick Morrow on Sunday night. Yeah. So Shaq Leonard in nine games this season, 65 tackles, uh, 34 were solo, two tackles for a loss, um, did not have any sacks, did not have any pass defense, did not have any forced fumbles. Uh, that's what he ended up doing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, especially when you're coming off a game like that, you know, you were exposed that much more without Zach Cunningham. And I, I, I hate that we've almost turned Zach Cunningham into like Ray Lewis, but you know, not having him did hurt. Uh, but what you got there was the, the perfect storm. The Eagles are weren't aren't great at linebacker to begin with. They're shorthanded without Cunningham. And probably I don't know that there's a better team in the league at exposing the middle of the field than the 49ers with McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo who can run those slants. And then boom, it, it all was in on full display there for sure, Bill. That was that was hideously bad. And we've talked before about the pro football focus grades. They're not the Bible, but pro football focus does a nice job. And so far this season, they had Shaq Leonard graded as a 60, which outside of last year where he was a 40 when he had all those injuries is the lowest he's had. He was a 79 in 2021. But you look at a 60 and you compare it to where Nicholas Morrow is. Morrow actually has played well this season before Sunday. He was graded at a 71, but you look at Morrow's prior years, he was a 54 last year in Chicago. So if you look at pro football focus and you believe in what they're saying, Shaq Leonard so far this season is playing better than what they thought Nick Morrow played last season in in Chicago. So maybe that's a good sign. Maybe this is a guy who could come in. But I had Seth Joyner on my show last night, and the one thing we did talk about was even if he's lost a little athleticism, the brain's still there. You yeah. know, the guy still has the ability to hopefully dissect plays and not be confused by different things. But, mm-hmm. man, it it has to be better, better. I don't know if you saw the stat, Rob. I'm sure you did. Nick Morrow targeted eight times, six catches, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, terrible. I mean, beyond, beyond comprehension how bad he was. But I'll tell you this, Leonard in pass coverage this year, targeted uh, 21 times. 17 caught on him. That's 81.4%. He's given up 158 yards and QBs have a 79.2 passer rating versus him. It's not great either. Okay. I, all I'm saying is I, I, I'm with you. Obviously I'm hoping that this is the upgrade that they need. And if anything, it brings you depth where you don't fall off a cliff. If somebody's hurt, you know, that's something, right. That's something to be said, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know that a Colts team that's in contention for the playoffs where he was a hero in that town lets him walk just because he 
you know, chirps a little bit about playing time. It, it, it concerns me that a team that has something to play for where he is again, you know, a, a very popular guy is let go. I mean, right now the Colts are in the season ended right now. They're seven and five and they're in, they're the seven seed and they let him go. That's not I, a good sign to me. I agree with you on that. And I've heard some people say, Oh, well, it was a financial decision. It was not a financial decision. By waiving him, they were still on the hook for his contract. So they're not right. saving any money by getting rid of this Because guy. nobody grabbed him on waivers. He cleared waivers, right? Exactly. They so, would have been on the hook for it if ha- had somebody claimed him off waivers. And yeah. you knew he was probably going to clear waivers. Most guys do at this yeah. point. You saw Zach Ertz, who we could talk about as mm-hmm. well. But So I agree. I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Why would they let this guy just walk out the door? But, you know, what, what I really upset about is we were all saying this this isn't just an overreaction to the San Francisco 49ers game all summer long our biggest fear at least my biggest fear all summer was I kept saying I don't like what they're doing at the linebacker position why did you let TJ Edwards walk I was okay letting Kazir White White walk I thought he had an up and down year yeah he I didn't think he was great last year no decent slowed down TJ Edwards I don't think we gave him enough credit in this town and I said that in the offseason is we underrated him. He was a top seven NFL in tackles. He was 94% of the snaps on your defense last year, wore the green dot, was really the leader calling the plays back there. He didn't get a ton of money in Chicago. Yeah. I think they could have figured out a way with Howie Roseman to fit him under the cap. But instead, you went into this season putting all your hopes on the Kobe Dean. And everybody was so excited because, oh, look what he did at Georgia. Look what he did at Georgia. He played 34 snaps as a rookie. You had no idea if this guy could play. Was he going to be able to last an entire season? And now it's coming back to bite you. And maybe Howie Roseman's going to get lucky that a guy like Shaq Leonard became available. But we'll see. Because I agree with you. Why the hell would Indianapolis let him walk out the door? Yeah, and just to back up your point here, TJ Edwards, and I know the Bears stink. I get it. I get it that the defense is on the field a ton and all that. So some of these numbers may be inflated a little bit. But 127 tackles two sacks, three passes defense, two interceptions, uh, you know, one forced fumble and one fumble recovery uh, for TJ Edwards, who did not get a lot of money. The only thing I don't know about is, was he just really hell-bent on getting back to Chicago where he's from? I don't know. I, I don't know. But he did not – that was not a big contract that he signed with the Bears, that's for sure. And if TJ Edwards was hell-bent on, I want to go home, I want to play in Chicago – I still think then Howie Roseman has to have a better plan B because the plan B was, okay, we're going to sign the guy that Chicago let leave because they felt that they were upgrading from Nick Morrow to TJ Edwards. They let Morrow walk, and that was our one linebacker signing in the offseason was bringing in Nicholas Morrow. So, look, I give Howie Roseman a lot of credit. He deserves it a lot. But I have not liked the philosophy of devaluing the linebacker position Because look what we saw on Sunday night. When you saw an organization that values the linebacker position with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, it's scary behind the good defensive line. Yeah, it's a big difference. It really is. It's a big-time difference. Um, Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing is, Bill, when you start the season off 10-2, and I I heard before the San Francisco game people throwing the word luck around. I don't buy any of that. I don't think you're lucky to get to 10-1. But I think you you were – there was some good fortune involved and you, you got away with some things against some teams 
And we kept saying in the lead up to the Niners game, you better clean these things up or else this is the game that it's going to bite you. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I think some of the, the falling behind early, always trailing at the half, you know, et cetera, the, the lack of takeaways, all those things, among others, among a lot of other things, caught up with them. And you know what the truth is, too? If we're being really honest with ourselves, San Francisco is more talented. Doesn't mean they're going to win it. San Francisco is more talented across the board. They are. Yeah, you know, one of the arguments we all were making about this team in the offseason when we knew there was all these changes on defense was, well, look how much talent they have on offense. And they do. The Eagles have a ton of talent on offense. But, man, you're right. The 49ers may actually have more talent on offense when you throw a guy like Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. He could just do so much. There's no one like Christian McCaffrey in the NFL. There's only one of them. Yeah, and, and it, it, it really, if you look at it this way, quarterback okay like ultimately would I want Hurts over Purdy yeah but it's pretty close now okay running backs not close as you just mentioned offensive line okay I'll go Eagles um receivers are pretty darn close when you consider Debo Ayuk uh their third options are better than the Eagles third options tight end it's Kittle Goddard doesn't play enough or get enough throws to him okay defensive line Pretty close. Uh, linebacker, not close. Secondary, not close. Coaching, when you take the, co the coordinators into consideration, I, I mean, I'm just trying to be real here. Nobody yeah. wants to hear it, but it's the truth. Yeah, I, I hate the 49ers just as much as every other Eagles fan does, but you're not wrong. They are very talented. And look, the thing we have to hope is – that this team was able to see the blueprint against the 49ers of, look, this is how they're going to try to attack us. And if the Eagles have to play them again, which I'm hoping they do here at Lincoln Financial Field in the NFC Championship game, that now they can be a little bit more prepared for that offense. Because, man, after those first two series where it was like, okay, defense is getting pressure on Purdy. Purdy looks like he's a little bit nervous. After that, six straight touchdown drives. I saw a stat Ruben Frank put out. That hasn't happened against the Eagles since 1966. Cowboys in 66 did it to them. Yeah, it's Insane, man. Yep. In insane. So, yeah, you're definitely right. They are a more talented team. But, again, more, more talented doesn't mean you can't win the Super Bowl because there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. The Eagles can make some corrections. They're getting some bodies back. Hopefully, at some point, they're going to get uh, Cunningham back and maybe Leonard you know, can play. Uh, you're getting Goddard, like I said, back. You're, you're getting bodies back. That'll only help. Um, and you know, you never know what can happen with injuries with other teams also, and just weird stuff happens. The best team doesn't always win in a playoff setting. So there's, it doesn't mean they can't win, but there's reason for some concern as far concern, as far as I'm concerned with what's happening with the team right now. I mean, it felt to me built like, okay, the Niners went into the first couple series, got a feel for things. And it's okay. This is what we need to do. Bop, bop, bop. And when they did that, the Eagles had no counterpunch to their counterpunch. It was like, all right, the Niners did their thing. What's your answer now, Eagles? And they just didn't have it. And I know a lot of people want to say, hey, it's just one game. We're overreacting. This is what we do in Philadelphia. We overreact. Yeah. This wasn't just one game, in my opinion, when you look at some of the trends with the defense. They have been bad on third down all season long. They have been bad in the red zone all season long. They've been bad against the pass all season long. 
And now you're starting to see over the last few games them also not able to stop the run. Three straight games. Yep. So this is a problem on the defensive side of the ball. And what I am hoping is that it is something that they can fix schematically and that it's not just we don't have the personnel anymore. Because one of the things we did think when you looked at that defense, there were changes at linebacker and there were changes at safety, but you thought you could at least rely on your corners, that Slay and Bradbury were going to be pro bowlers or all pro caliber corners. And they've played well at times, but they certainly have not been good enough for that defense. Yeah. And that's, that to me is the major question. Is it just, you're not playing up to your capabilities. I'm talking about on the defensive side that you're not playing up to your capabilities. You can be better. I think there's a case to be made for that. Like the tackling was horrendous. You can certainly be better tacklers. There's no doubt about that. But ultimately, is there enough talent on that side of the ball? That's the thing that would be is more troubling to me. Like if I could just chalk it up to, hey, they played like crap, which they did, yeah. then I'd, I'd feel actually better because I know you could just move on from that. I just don't know that there's enough on that side of the ball right now. You know, once you can be beyond the defensive line, there's just there's a lot of holes there to be exploited, and and really good teams will. One of the things I didn't like that came out of the locker room after the game was, I think it was James Bradbury who talked about how there was some confusion on the back end, that they didn't know their responsibilities or their assignments. I'm forgetting the exact quote, Rob. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know it. But that was something that, that bothered me because I've seen a lot of fans talk about, and it doesn't get talked about that much in the media, but they did lose Denard Wilson last year in the secondary, yeah. that coach. A lot of these guys wanted him to be the defensive yep. coordinator, and when the Eagles passed over, he said, I'm out of here. Yeah. And he went he's to Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. And he's doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Ravens, Ravens defense is good. Yeah. How much of a loss was that for this Eagles secondary? I don't know. Did these guys just take a step back from a skill perspective, or was Denard Wilson a bigger loss than we all think? I also don't know, and this ties into this, I don't know that we accounted enough in the offseason. Again, they're 10-2, and two, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get crazy here with this. But I don't know that we accounted enough for, for the growing pains of the coordinators that they were going to go through, despite still having Sirianni, despite still having Jalen Hurts, despite having a lot of talent on the team. And I think we're seeing it, you know, like I think I definitely think Sean Desai has had a much more difficult task than Brian Johnson because a they lost some pretty valuable pieces and b they've had some injuries that have really impacted them. So I think he's had the harder road to hoe. Uh, Brian Johnson, it, it shouldn't look now the points per game is pretty comparable, but we we know just by watching some of this that it's just been off at times. Um and and that it, it, I don't think there should be any kind of really dramatic fall off offensively. Also, because you have Nick on that side of the ball, and that's really his expertise. The defensive side of the ball is a little bit more understandable, uh, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter if it's understandable or not. Here we are, right? And it hasn't looked as good. And there, and we're going to get heavy into the defense in a minute. But Bill, they're they're down near the bottom in a lot of categories, man. Like it's not just one bad game; they've been overcoming it you know, in a lot of ways too. I asked it on the Philly sports power hour last week. I asked the question, is this defense a championship defense? Because I already had my concerns. And then unfortunately the 49ers just completely exploited them. And I know everybody's immediate reaction is it's the coordinator. 
Defensive coordinator needs to adjust. Everyone wants to talk about adjustments. If you go back and watch that 49ers game, Sean Desai tried everything. They came out in five-man front. They yep. came out in four-man front. They went nickel. They went dime. They tried the blitz. They blitzed over 34% of the time, which is the most I think they've blitzed all season. They usually hover around 20%. Mm-hmm. He did try, but when you don't have the personnel, especially in the back seven, there's only so much you could do as a coach. And I don't blame the coaching staff when you're missing tackles. This is the NFL. You don't have to teach fundamentals about tackling. You're in the NFL. You should figure out how to tackle. And I don't put that on Sean Desai. No, I don't either. And that's where, to me, like Slay needs to just worry about taking care of his business rather than what Seth Joyner's saying, (laughs) honestly. You know, yeah, so, how about that whole back and forth? Well, man? it's like, you know, and, and Seth, Seth, you know, was on uh, Jacob's postgame show giving an honest opinion uh, of where he's at. And it, it, if you didn't if you didn't hear it, Seth basically said, you know, what, what troubled him. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but and you, you you had him on, I know, on your show, Bill. But what he said was he was troubled by not only the bad tackling, but the the lack of want to. Um, and that's what got Slay's ire. He said, you know, I'm paraphrasing him now. Uh, yeah, uh, agreed. We didn't tackle well enough, but you know the the one two is there. So anyway, it's like sometimes you got to just take the take the L uh, if you're a player and not get involved in the noise. And I know that's kind of Slay's personality. I get it, but like it's a bad look after you got beat down like that. And your defense played the way it played. And what we need to see is these guys respond to it. We've seen Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni and this team be able to respond to adversity. Well, yeah, Seth Joyner called out that secondary, called them out, said they looked like they were disinterested in tackling, and it obviously rubbed Slay the wrong way. What bothered me was you talk about Seth Joyner calling them out. Debo Samuel has been calling you guys out for almost a year, Mm -hmm. and no one looked interested in bringing him a tackle. You know, no one brought – what Debo Samuel, four targets, four catches, two touchdowns in the air, another one on the ground. So that's what bothered me. But let's hope, hey, maybe they got called out by Seth. They got embarrassed in that game against the 49ers. Now we need to see this defense respond in a big way on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and look, I, I saw I see people in the chat saying, hey, the the um, the Niners lost three games in a row. They did. They did. Uh, they were without Debo. They were without Trent Williams. But the Eagles have had injuries, too. That's why I say, you know, it doesn't mean you can't win a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean you can't start playing better and get things – you know, in, in, in the right shape for you to make one of those playoff runs. It's not a write-off. Uh, it's a situation where you recognize what's going on. And, you know, like you said, we've seen these trends for a while. They've been able to mask it. Like the fact that you've trailed five straight games at halftime, there's a problem offensively. You know, and, and last week was only 14 to six. Uh, you weren't getting, you know, lit up and destroyed. There's clearly something wrong with the way they're scheming this thing up or the in-game adjustments early, or whatever. You know, the first two drives, yeah, they look great, but they only got six out of it. Okay, but what else did you do the rest of that half? Nothing. Nothing. And that, to me, is a big question for Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. Why is it looking like this coming out of the shoot? So poor, where you have to go crazy in second halves to come back and win. And we talked about the lack of skill on the defensive side of the ball, potentially. They do not lack skill on offense with all the guys that they have. Dallas Goddard being out is a big loss. It hurts you in the running game. It does hurt you in the passing game. But there's enough other skilled players on that offense that that shouldn't happen. You should not be shut out for halves at a time. And 
it's more alarming to me because we know those first 10 plays are usually scripted. So this is game planning by Sirianni and Brian Johnson going into the football game. And I talked about it earlier on my show about Nick Sirianni's press conference yesterday finally acknowledged that, hey, maybe we need to do a better job as coaches committing to the run. Yep. And it's something we've been calling out for a while. And I'm not naive. This is not the 90s. We don't run the ball 40, 50 times a game. This is a passing league. But you have to be balanced, especially when you're going up against a team like the San Francisco 49ers. We just talked about how skilled they are at the linebacker position, how good they are at the defensive line. You have to at least make them respect the yeah. run. And I, I looked at some of the numbers. I'm on now looking at it. On the Eagles' passing plays, they ran play action about 17% of the time. Well, play action's not going to work if you if never you're not run running it. Yeah, you're not going to honor it. The whole point yeah. of it is you think they're going to run. And that, yeah, exactly. And it so holds you for a minute. So they need to do they need to do something. I'm not as down on Brian Johnson as some. I yeah. think he can do a better job, but you're right. When you look at the final numbers, they're still putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards. It's just at times it looks like something's off. And it's like everything else. You know, we 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 look at things, at least I think the way you have to look at this Eagle season is, is through a different kind of lens. A lens where you're taking it game by game, yes, and you're 10-2, and two, yes. You still have the best record in football. You have the best record in your conference, yes. But you're also looking at it like, all right, are some of the deficiencies, are you able to overcome those as we march forward? Like this week against the Cowboys where you're the underdog again like whatever happens in the playoffs, like if you get the Niners again. So you're always looking at it through a couple of different lenses here when it comes to this Eagles team. It's not just as simple as, hey, they're winning, and then everything stops from there. No, and I also agree it's not a beauty contest either, but you just don't want those cracks. Like an example is last year. You got to the Super Bowl all year long. We were concerned about the special teams. Boom. Special teams bit him in the ass, right? So you just don't want that kind of thing to come back to bite you again. That's all. Yeah, that's why I don't think it's an overreaction. And look, it was the Eagles were in a tough spot, not not making excuses. We yeah. know 49ers were on longer rest, and you know the Eagles had played a lot of emotional games. They beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City on a Monday night. So you were due for a little bit of a letdown game. And if this was a tough loss where it was a close battled game and they lost a close one, you give them the benefit of the doubt. It was just that all of the things that we've been worried about were on full display. The linebacking core, the passing defense, third down defense, red zone defense. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I know they got away from the run late because they were down by so much, but only four carries for DeAndre Swift in the first half. It was just everything we've been saying for weeks now, even though they've been 10 and two, excuse me, 10 and one before that game just was on full display. And I think that's why everybody's been so upset about it. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So here's what we're going to do, Bill. We're going to take a quick time out. Let's dive into the, the defense and some of the things that are trending and, and kind of see what can be corrected here and what, you're going to have to live with and sort of overcome um, as we go forward. Then we will get a little bit more into some of the other things. Um, offensively, some of the positives. We'll look at Dallas a little bit here, who they have coming up. Uh, uh, three of the question, too, where's Nolan Smith and Keeley Ringo? I mean, these guys can't get on the field. So we'll uh, we'll discuss. We'll hit all those things when we come back. 
He's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take on this Tuesday, hanging out with you. I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Thrilled that they are a sponsor of the channel, of the show itself. I've been going there since I was a kid. It's family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and that great crew in there each and every day, putting out the most fresh and the greatest variety of food you could possibly have. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have specialized pizza, however you want it. You request it, they'll make it. But if you're not up for pizza, they have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo's also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike. Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, PA. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. 
You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back in, friends. That's Bill Calarolo. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you. We are Sports Day. Please hit the like button if you could on this Tuesday. All right, so let's look at a couple of things here defensively, Bill. I know one of the things that frustrates um, Eagles fans is the the quote-unquote lack of blitzing uh, that the Eagles do in general. And this goes back to Jim Schwartz, and then, of course, it's followed up with Jonathan Gannon, and now it's Sean Desai. But the only problem is when they have blitzed, it has not gone particularly well. All right. So uh, generally this year, I saw this from uh, from Paul Domo, which you can check out Paul's great work on, on jacobsports.com. Posing quarterbacks. Um, when, te- when the Eagles blitz them, they have a 114.6 passer rating. Last year when the Eagles blitzed them, they had a 77.3 passer rating. So the blitz is not working well. Um, you still have a defensive front that I think is tied for eighth in sacks at 34. They're still doing a pretty solid job. They're not as spectacular as they were last year, but they're solid. Uh, the blitz thing isn't the answer necessarily. And again, this is going to fly in the face of what Eagles fans want, but it's true. Well, let's just look at what Brock Purdy did against the blitz on Sunday. Yep. Philadelphia Eagles blitzed him on 10 dropbacks. He went 10 for 10. 213 yards and three touchdowns when blitzed. And one of the major issues with blitzing is you put your secondary usually on an island, and they haven't been good enough. Your corners have to be able to play better. If you're going to bring more than four guys, well, that puts less guys on the back end, and the corners haven't been good enough to, to withhold these receivers and these tight ends in the middle of that field. So it's not the NFL of old, man. And I know everybody wants the blitz. We love – we talked about Seth Joyner earlier. We love those those gangrene years where yeah. they blitzed a ton, but it's just not the reality of today's NFL. And you yeah. saw what Brock Purdy was able to do. Yeah, and, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to – first of all, I, you know, you do that if you have a terrible – well, you do that if you have a defensive line that you don't feel like is capable of getting home. You also do it if you have a great deal of trust in your guys being in zero coverage, where, where it's just them one-on-one. I don't particularly like any of these matchups with the Eagles defensive backs and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and, you know, potentially George Kittle, whatever. I don't, I don't think that that's the case. So, uh, you know, that, that's one thing to look at the other trend. And you mentioned it, you know, the one thing you could hang your hat on defensively was, Hey, the Eagles were stopping the run plain and simple. They were number one in the league. You weren't running on them. You're going to make teams one dimensional. Last three games, Kansas City, a buck 68, Buffalo 173, San Francisco 136. 
if that continues, to, and now they're still only fifth because they were so dominant early in the year, but it's trending the wrong way against the run. If that trend continues, and, and Tony Pollard's run the ball okay. He hasn't been great. They, they've run the ball okay, Dallas. But if that trend continues, man, you know, considering the struggles they have against the against the pass, I don't really know what you hang your hat on here with this defense. Like, I don't know exactly what they are. Yeah, and you look at those last three games, I know a lot of people want to make the excuse that against Buffalo, 80 of those yards were Josh Allen, and, and that's true. But you saw what the Niners could do, and you saw what Pacheco and the Chiefs were able to do. And what we say a lot when we're watching the games is this team really struggles against the run when they're in their four-man fronts. They need to be in a five-man front to stop the run because the linebackers just weren't good enough to have to play multiple gaps. When they come out in a five-man front, it lets the linebackers say, okay, we only have to worry about a single gap. And obviously the five-down linemen are good enough to prevent the offensive line from getting to the second level, and these linebackers can make the stops on the run. But the issue there is, and you saw Kyle Shanahan do it, the moment the Eagles come out in a five-man front to stop the run, well, now you have less people in coverage, and now they immediately go to the pass, and our secondary just hasn't been good enough. But this is very alarming to me that the start, they're starting to also struggle against this rushing attack. Yeah. All right. So a couple other things. Um, the tackling, you know, obviously bad. Niners, 314 passing yards. They had 213 after the catch. So, And I, I get it. Debo Samuel, uh, McCaffrey, Kittle are going to do that against teams. They're, that's who they are. Some of this, you know, all some of this has to be taken with a grain of salt, too. You understand that you're playing a very good team. As much as we don't like to do it, you tip your hat. Like, this is a really tough team to handle. However, 213 yards after the catch of 314 is totally unacceptable on a million levels. Like, that can't ever happen again. Odds are you're losing every game you play if that's the case. And that's just something I don't think there's any excuse for. You're, you're in the NFL. You know how to tackle. And you mentioned I had Seth Joyner on my show last night, and I asked him about it because he did have that quote about Slay, and then Slay responded. And I loved what Seth Joyner said. He said, tackling is an attitude. It's your desire to want to bring that player to the ground, and there's nothing more. So the fact that this team came out in what a lot of us were billing as the biggest game of the season and tackled that poorly was alarming. But I don't think that's something that can't be fixed. These guys know how to tackle. They didn't get to the NFL not being able to tackle. It's just a simple desire, and it just wasn't there on Sunday. Yeah, the one-two wasn't there. Uh, Sean Desai speaking now, doing a lot of it's me. You know, I got to do a better job, play calling. I got to put them in a better position. A lot of Andy Reid stuff, Yeah, which, you know, of course, he's going to fall on the sword. You know, no, no surprise there. But but if, if he says anything of note, I'll pass it along. I'll let you know, uh, you know, what he says. You, you brought up Morrow. Uh, and it, look, this was a tough one for him. The guy who's played solid for them this year, but this was a tough one. 151 yards after catch, he gave up catch catches. He gave up. He gave up six catches for a buck 75. He shouldn't be put in that position. Unfortunately, he was put in that position because of some of the injuries and the Eagles' repeated lack of valuing that position. Uh, so Morrow's out there trying to do things that he probably isn't capable of, um, and it was about as poor a linebacker performance. You know, as you could have across the board, him him being in front of the line. 
Yeah, and I saw that stat about the yards after catch, and a lot of it does fall on Morrow, but there were a lot of other players on oh, that Oh, yeah, he wasn't alone. Who had opportunities to make the tackle after Morrow missed it, and they just wanted no parts of Debo Samuel. That's what just surprised me so much is, look, I get it. Sometimes we as fans and analysts will blow up some of the trash talk and the matchups. A lot of these guys are friends. We know A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel are friends. But when Debo calls one of your teammates trash, it backs it up, doesn't back down from those comments, and then comes out and you let him do what he did in that game. I just found that shocking that these guys didn't want to have an opportunity. You know, you'd look back. I talked about some of the gangrene years with Seth Joyner. No way a player was coming in to Veteran Stadium talking like that and not expecting to get a big hit against them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in fact, you know, if anything, the Niners, even beyond the whistle with the Greenlaw play, which resulted in all the mayhem with Big Dom, et cetera, yeah. you know, showed a, showed a little bit more edge. Um, and I, I just think, you know, collectively, whether this was – look, the other thing that we do have to factor in, and it's – again, this is not excuses. This is just reality. You're in the third, or depending on how you look at it, if you want to count the first Dallas game, but you had Dallas game, the bye, you know, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo, whatever. You're in the fifth leg of either a six or seven game stretch that's nasty. You went to overtime the previous week. You, you may not quite have your legs, but the problem with that is, Bill, that like that line of thinking may be legit. You still got Dallas net this week coming off 10 days, and you just had a, an incredibly physical game against the Niners. So, you know, how do you respond to that physically, you know, in Dallas? The NFL did not do the Eagles any favors with this schedule. It wasn't just the matchups. We all knew this was going to be a tough few games, but the way it lined up on the schedule, getting the Niners on 10 days rest, the Cowboys on 10 days rest. Now they just flexed them out to a Monday night against Seattle. So, it, but look, you can't make excuses in this league. You got to find ways to win, but it was definitely concerning. And you talk about, the missed tackles, what I found most alarming has been this defense on third down, Rob. I mean, to be a good team in the league, you have to be able to extend drives on offense on third down. They've done that. As much as we want to get on Brian Johnson, have one of the best third down offenses in the league. But you have to be able to get off the field on third down on defense. And the Philadelphia Eagles are now the worst third down defense in the entire league. And this is a Super Bowl desired team you want to win a championship and you have the worst third down defense that i find really alarming yeah they're 32nd in the nfl at at 47 percent uh which is i mean last in the league it's unbelievable here's the other the other troubling numbers too bill minus two in takeaways which is 19th they only have six interceptions on the season that's the second fewest in the nfl you know I'm not really in love with the fact that they're eighth in sacks. I know it's top 10, but they were supposed to be a top three sack team. So I don't love that either. Um, they're giving up. They're, they're, they're 22nd in points allowed. They're 30th against the pass. There's only two teams worse. And they're not, you know, they're fifth against the run, but that's starting to go the wrong way really, really fast. Like it's, we can call it like it is. This isn't a very good defense, period. Anywhere. And that's why I've been saying it's not just one game. We're not yeah. overreacting to one game. This is now 12 games where you're able to look at these statistics. And last year, say what you will about Jonathan Gannon and that defense, they were a plus eight in the turnover differential, negative two. And you look at the San Francisco 49ers, they were plus 11 coming in. The Dallas Cowboys, plus eight 
now coming in on Sunday night. Good teams are usually on the positive of the turnover differential. And I like to talk about three keys to every game. And it's always the turnover differential, third down, and red zone. Well, we just talked about how bad they've been in the turnover differential. We just talked about how bad this defense has been on third down. Well, they're also in the bottom of the league in red zone defense. Yep. So three really alarming categories for our defense to be in the bottom of the league. in. And, and, and just to take it a step further with the third down thing, um, they've given up 13 third down touchdown passes, which is the worst in football also. So it doesn't matter, you know, what the yardage is, what the percentage is. That's passing touchdowns, by the way. So it's not like, oh, well, some team's converting a third in inches. No, I mean, they're getting beat in, in, in any number of ways, whether it's up front or whether it's in the secondary or whatever, which speaks to everybody. It speaks to the quarterback has too much time. It speaks to putting teams in, in, in manageable third downs. It speaks to the Eagles defensive backs not being able to hold their water and, you know, and cover guys. So what you're what you're doing in turn, Bill, is you're asking your offense each and every week to get into the 30s, which you know is not a totally unreasonable request, but it's going to be hard against some of these teams that are really good defensively. I mean, look, they get Dallas this week. You know, I mean, Dallas going into this game is fourth in points allowed, you know, in the NFL, and they're first in scoring. So you went from a Niners team that's almost great across the board numbers wise into a really good Cowboys team. That's almost, and I know the Eagles beat them first time around. I get it, but still, I mean, like this isn't going to cut it. If these trends continue, you're going to lose again this week. If these trends continue. And keeping with the theme of third down Dallas, number two, third down offense. So it's not going to get any easier for this Eagles defense. And you look at that 49ers game, they go three and out on the first two drives. So that means they were 0 for 2 on third down. After that, they went 8 of 9. And the only time they stopped them, they got it, it on fourth down, and short. Right? No, yeah. they got it on fourth and short. Oh, right. So really, yeah. they converted nine straight times, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, it's just that is unacceptable for a defense with Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah. And I guess, you know, some of that, I, I, it's hard to kind of divvy up the pie. You know, obviously coaches are going to tell you, Hey, it's a team game. We win as a team. We lose as a team. You know, I'm, I'm not singling anybody out, but we can, I mean, is this just a matter of father time caught up? I mean, you think about it. Three of your four defensive backs are all plus 30 Bradbury slay and Bayard blanket chips learning on the fly this year. You know, there's mistakes made and then there, he makes some big plays, but there's, you know, it's kind of all over the place, you know, with him, is this just a matter of, and I'm not talking about blanket chip talking about the other three. Father Time starting to catch up here in some ways, and you left your yourself a little short at linebacker. I mean, let's face it, they counted on Nicobe Dean. And Nicobe Dean, when he was on the field, it wasn't much time, didn't look real good. And then, you know, twice he's been hurt. And that was one of the fears is can this guy hold up because he's built more like a safety than a linebacker. It's possible, though, when you talk about that father time catch up. I mean, all these guys are over 30, and it happens quick. It does happen quickly. I'm not ready to rule these guys out just yet. I still yeah. think that trying not to make excuses for them, but you do look, and there has been a lot of change in that secondary. It's only been a few games where they've all been together. Dreyer just got here a few weeks ago. Blankenship was hurt for a little while. 
You had Roby in and out of the lineup. He came in late during the season. Maddox got hurt. McPherson got hurt. So there's been all of this change there. So we have to hope that they can get it together because Eagles need them. They are weak at the linebacker position, but they need this secondary where they do have a lot of money invested in those corners to play to the caliber that we expect them to play. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a matter of, you know, the other the other problem you have with losing Desai or, or losing um, Gannon. I know everybody hated Gannon. I didn't. But uh, Desai taking over, you lost your linebackers coach. You lo- Nick Rallis went to, to Arizona to be their defensive coordinator. You lost your secondary coach. You lost Denard Wilson. Like there was a ton of coaching turnover on that side of the ball. So you, you're talking about coaching turnover. And if you think about it, rough number, probably six new starters on defense. You lost CJGJ. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Hargrave, Epps, Epps, both linebacker linebackers, and Kaiser White and TJ Edwards. Right? Am I missing anything there? If you want to consider Avante Maddox, he did come back for the Super but he was, Bowl, but he's been hurt. So but he's yeah, been hurt. Yeah, you know, six or seven new faces is a lot. It is. It's, it 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 is a lot, and you know we're seeing it now. This is really where they're going to have to dig in, and, and this is where we're going to see what Sean decides made of in terms of adjustments. I like it's, I, I appreciate he's falling on the sword today. That's great. But I need to see adjustments made here because, you know, if you think about it, you got a really tough Dallas game, obviously coming up. It goes without saying as much as everybody's written Seattle off and I get it. They don't play well there. They don't, they haven't won there since 08. Tough place to play. You don't want, you do not want to end up, you know, at four losses after the next two games, because there's no guarantee that uh, Dallas or San Fran loses another one, or or the Lions for that matter. There, there just isn't. And then all of a sudden, this thing is looking like from from a one to a five, and you're on the road the whole time. And we know how difficult that can get. So they're in. I know it's only one loss, and it it, it does sound like we're you know kind of losing our mind over it. But I'm just trying to give people the realities of what this is looking like here. Uh, you mentioned Seattle. They almost beat the Cowboys, and they put up over 400 yards of offense yeah. in Dallas. Geno Smith threw for over 300 yards, and that's against a pretty good Dallas defense. I know Deron Bland got a little exposed in the passing game. Guy's a ball hawk, leads the league in interceptions. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. NFL record with returns for touchdowns. But he is susceptible to the double move, which is something I hope the Eagles utilize. This they week. burned him, Bill. They took him. DK Metcalf crushed him in that game Thursday yeah. night. Even the rookie Jackson Smith Najigba yeah. had a good game, and they probably would have won the game if that damn touchdown didn't get overturned. Yep. Which I'm still very surprised they overturned that one. Yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, it doesn't get easier after this game. You have a Seattle Seahawks team in Seattle, not going to be easy to beat. But we were talking about Jonathan Gannon. And I saw. You know, Frank Gallo in the chat saying Gannathan's better than Sean Desai. I do think some of it is personnel. I think a lot of it is personnel. But I was not as down on Gannon as a lot of people were. I know you weren't either. Right. And you look at some of these numbers. We're talking about how this Philadelphia Eagles defense this year is you know, bottom of the league in passing yards against and all these stats. You look at that defense last year. Number two in yards against. Number one passing defense in the entire NFL. Obviously, number one in sacks, set a record with 70. But they led the league in a lot of categories. You're just not seeing it this year. No, you're not. Frank's right. Detroit does play Dallas, Frank, and you're right. Obviously, somebody's – well, unless there's a tie, someone's going to win that one yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be Dallas, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, point is, 
and I, I don't, I, I respect Detroit, but I don't put them on the same tier as yeah, the I don't Eagles. think they're there yet. I don't yeah, think the 49ers there. and the Cowboys. It's, you know, the, the toughest game the Niners have is Baltimore. And that's a tough game, but that game's in San Fran. So that's going to be an interesting game um, for sure. Yeah, I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles really can afford to lose another game. I think maybe one, but definitely not more than that. It's going to be close because, yeah, I don't see the Niners. I know the Ravens are a good team. I just yes. don't know if they lose another game in the regular season, this 49ers team, because it's at home. I mean, look, this week they have Seattle. Yeah, Could that potentially be a tough game? They were so high for this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Had it circled since the NFC Championship. So do they have a little bit of a letdown against a division opponent? Maybe. Possibly. But really, you look at their schedule. Okay, worst case scenario for the Niners, they lose to the Ravens. That puts them at 13-4. and four. Right. The Eagles, they could potentially afford to lose then one more, but they would lose the tiebreaker. Yeah, you can't have four because they would have the head-to-head. So – it's not going to be easy. You you assume Eagles beat the Giants twice and the Cardinals. And now you have these two tough road games coming up, the Cowboys and the Seahawks. So we, we will see. But, man, it could go a long way, not only for the standings, Rob, but for the psyche of this town, if they could just come out and play a complete game and beat Agreed. the Cowboys. It really would. I agree. So let me real quick give you uh, what the Niners have left. Uh, home this Sunday. That's a 4:05 against Seattle. They're at Arizona. Then Christmas Day, that's the night game. The Eagles play the the middle game uh, on Christmas Day. Um, that's the game against the Ravens. Tough one, no doubt. Then they go to Washington, and then they close it out against the Rams. I mean, I don't see any way there's more than one loss there. That's just me. I'll give you Dallas. It's Dallas' schedule, I think, is a little bit more challenging than the, yeah, the Niners is. the rest of the way. The Eagles this week. Um, the game at Buffalo on uh, on December 17th. Yeah, we'll see. Buffalo's not out of it completely for the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, at Miami, that's a tough game on Christmas Eve, for sure. Detroit home, December 30th, and then they close it out at Washington. Like, there's possibly two losses there. You know, possibly. It's definitely tougher than what San Fran has. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them if they were to beat the Eagles on Sunday night to then have to go on the road to Buffalo, on the road to Miami, and expect to win all those games. So I, I agree with you, but man, this is just such a big game. I, I did not think the San Francisco 49ers game was a must win for the Eagles, but now having lost that game Sunday night, I think is a must win for this Philadelphia Eagles. Team. I just, yeah. It, it, it does on so many levels, Rob, but as we go through the schedule, you talked about the Niners, the Cowboys, we should probably look at the lions as well because they still have a shot. So they're at Chicago this week. We saw right. them almost lose at home against the Chicago Bears a few weeks they ago. They play a so. lot of tight ones, man. Like, yeah, they, they almost blew it to the Saints on. They, they could have lost, yeah, this past Sunday very easily. So this was the schedule I thought looked the easiest a few weeks ago, but it's not as easy anymore. You got Chicago, who doesn't look bad with Justin Fields. That's in Chicago. Then they have a home game against the Broncos, who, after before losing last week, five straight wins. Mm -hmm. They look like a pretty good team now. Everyone ruled them out after they gave up 70 against Miami, but that's not a guaranteed win for Detroit. Right. Then they're on the road at Minnesota, division game. Who knows what you get from Minnesota in that game. Then they're at Dallas, and then they finish their season home against Minnesota. So the team I'm really worried about is 49ers because you'd lose the tiebreaker. 
you control your destiny if you beat the Cowboys. And I don't see the Lions. I, I can see the Lions maybe losing two games. I could too. I it, it is the Niners. It just feels like all roads lead to that. And, and I'm not look. Dallas is really good, man. Dallas is really good. But in terms of seeding, I'm definitely more concerned uh, with the Niners. But the problem is, if you lose Sat um, Sunday to the Cowboys, then everything gets gets mucked up. We're talking you about know. a five seed potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that becomes a whole different universe. And that was that was the great the great thing about last year was you got chance to rest guys up. You got Jalen could rest his shoulder. You, you know, you, it was one less game. I, you can't emphasize that enough that you have to win to get there. It's a big deal. This game is enormous. I, last I checked, the Eagles were were three point three and a half point underdogs. But this is what the greatest thing about the NFL is, though, Rob. We're looking at the 49ers schedule, saying that you know they really shouldn't lose more than one. You never know, man. Right. You just never know. The 49ers could drop one that nobody was expecting. So things could happen. But, yeah, the Eagles can go a long way towards the one seed by beating Dallas on Sunday night. Yeah, you hope that's the case. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get a quickie in here, Bill. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to ask the question, um, you know, when it comes to Nick Sirianni or Sean Desai or, you know, we, we could keep going through this thing with Brian Johnson. Now, who's who's the blame for some of the issues that we're starting to see pop up? And I want to get back into we didn't get a chance to get to it, but I want to get into you know the question of where are some relatively high draft picks from from this past uh, draft? Where are they? Uh, so we'll dive into that, namely Nolan Smith and Keeley Ringo. All right, we've got a lot to do between now and uh, and the end of the program. Don't go anywhere. He's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust, knowing how to find that right person to, to invest your hard-earned money and savings can be hard. It can be hard. And I went through a bunch of people and, and, and you know never really got the satisfaction that I was looking for, but I found Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, and they've been absolutely awesome, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you have a small business, you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. It's another resource that Jim can help you with. He's also there to answer any questions that you may have regarding your account or, you know, something else you'd like to see done or questions that you have in general. Uh, I know I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be also give him a call 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him as well. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot jim at principal.com that's murray dot jim at principal.com If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Welcome back in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Bill Collarulo, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Bill's uh, Bill's in the helm, I think, tomorrow as well. Uh, so we're hanging out. He's in for Tone, uh, who's in for Gunner. <laughs> we got a lot of depth here, Bill. Speaking of that, uh, here's the question that I have for you. We haven't heard anything on Zach Ertz, and we haven't had a chance to discuss it. I, I say the more the merrier. Um, I don't think it can hurt. I the, the other, as good as Dallas Goddard is, he has trouble staying on the field. Um, I don't like the drop-off with what it is with Stoll and Albert O and, you know, Calcaterra, whatever, who don't even get targets. If I could bring him in, I would bring him in. I don't know that that's going to happen. He may have more of an opportunity in Baltimore, and I wouldn't blame him if he went there. What do you think about Ertz? I'd bring him in as well, simply from, like you said, a depth perspective. You know he's going to be great for the locker room, great culture guy. He's got experience with Dallas Goddard. But – everyone would have to ease their expectations. He's not the same guy he was yeah. when he was here. And when he was in, in Philadelphia, he was averaging over 10 yards a carry almost every single season. And in 2017, the Super Bowl year, he averaged over 11, not carry, catch, over 11 yards per catch. This year so far in Arizona, he was only averaging 6.9 yards per reception. So major drop-off for him. He's not the same guy. But, hey, if we need a big catch in a big moment, and they go to Zach Ertz, I'm still confident he's bringing it down. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I view it the same way as I do with Shaq Leonard. Like, uh, he he's probably an upgrade from what you have at that spot. Certainly, Zach isn't an upgrade from Goddard, but he's an upgrade from what's behind Goddard. So yeah. if I can bring that in, and he's going to get me, a you know, two catches in a game where I need six, and he gets me seven for a first down, that's a win as far as I'm concerned. And, and he's not costing you an arm and a leg. 
Exactly. I was going to say that. Exactly the same thing with Shaq Leonard. It didn't cost you anything in terms of assets to bring him in. You're just talking about money, and if it's not a lot and you could fit him under the cap and all that, which I'm sure they can with Howie Roseman, why not? You know, It doesn't hurt you in any way by bringing him in. So I'm all for if they brought Zach Ertz back. And what does he need? 14 catches to be the franchise leader? Is that what it is? I think that's the number. I don't know off the top of my head, but that would be pretty cool too. That would be pretty cool too. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Again, would I blame him with Mark Andrews out likely for the season? Baltimore makes a lot of sense for him. So if he ended up going there, I get it. You know, I, I don't think anybody would blame him if that's the case. Speaking of blame, um, you know, slow starts five straight games, trailed at the half five straight games, um, dodging kind of bullets. They, they scored 20 points um, in the first half of the last three games. How much of that does Sirianni have to wear? You know, we talked a lot about Brian Johnson, but how much of that is Sirianni wearing? Because he is in charge of this offense as well in terms of scheming, game plan, et cetera. I think Sirianni's a great coach, and I've been on my soapbox about this for a while that I don't like that he doesn't get the same respect nationally as some of these other coaches do. Yeah. But with that being said, I think a lot of the blame for how this offense has started is on Nick Sirianni. He's definitely got his hands all over that game plan. And what you've seen in the second half of games a lot of the times over the last couple of weeks is that offense come to life, which – I give a lot of credit to Brian Johnson because he's the one who's calling those plays. So I think at least going into these games, you got to put a lot of the blame on Sirianni. It's a shared effort. I'm going 50-50 to start these games, but Sirianni's in all those meetings. He's an offensive coach. This is his offense, his game plan that he comes up with with Brian Johnson. So Sirianni's got to share the blame for sure on that. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I mean, there's – you know, the thing we don't know, the dynamic, and I, I don't I don't think Nick or, you know, Bigfoot's Brian Johnson. So I do think he's calling the majority of the uh, the, the offensive plays, but he has input. If he's seen something he doesn't like, like, for example, Nick said yesterday, hey, we have to do a better job incorporating the run game uh, and, and staying true to it, whatever, something to that to that effect. Well, man, if you're seeing this trending in the wrong direction, one of the reasons you took a step back from play calling was so you could big picture things. And if you're seeing we're becoming too predictive, we're not utilizing this guy who's been really good for us all season, DeAndre Swift, we've got to change things up a little bit. Isn't that where you get in Brian Johnson's ear or at halftime say, hey, dude, you know, we got to start mixing the run game in a little bit more. Like, where are you with that? And you know the first few plays of the game are scripted plays. Look at right. the Buffalo Bills game. They came out and they dropped back three straight times. So Sirianni obviously signed off on that saying, hey, yeah, let's come out and throw the ball three times in a row instead of getting DeAndre Swift involved. And look, I get angry sometimes that we do complain about play calling and coaching. But in this one, it's just so obvious. It's right in front of you that when they've committed to the run and they've committed to giving the ball to DeAndre Swift, good things happen. Buffalo Bills game, come out to start the half, or excuse me, start the game, three straight passes, only put up seven points in the first half. Come out in the second half. They give the ball to Swift. What happens? He breaks off a 30-yard run, sparks the whole offense for the second half. It's not rocket science to be a little bit more balanced. So, hey, he admitted it at the press conference, but let's just hope it's not lip service and they actually do it on the field. The other thing that it appears, and maybe some of this was great coverage by the Niners, 
Uh, maybe some of this is on Jalen. There's somebody there where he could pull the trigger and connect with. It certainly could be the case. I haven't looked at the All-22 yet, which gives you more of an idea of this. I watched the game tape last night, the, the Fox uh, broadcast of it. But it feels like the offensive passing plays are very slow developing. And it's just boom, 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 boom. And then we're going to maybe take a deep shot or whatever. Early, there were a couple of slants to AJ, which really worked. And then it... Again, this could be the 49ers making adjustments and taking that away, but it feels like the generally, in my opinion, there's too many offensive passing plays that are slow, too long developing. Yeah, the all 22 just got released, and I'm looking forward to watching it as well because when I'm watching that game on the TV broadcast, what it appeared to me was not only were the routes slow developing, they didn't have the proper route designs to beat the zoned coverage. And that's why you saw Jalen Hurts when he was dropping back, immediately leaving his spot and exiting the pocket, not because there was a lot of pressure. I thought the offensive line did a great job. It just didn't appear, at least from watching it on the TV, that guys were open because they didn't have the proper plays called or route designs to beat the zone that the 49ers were running. And yeah, the All-22 just became available. I want to see it because if guys were open, and Jalen Hurts was just missing them, I'm going to be shocked because it didn't look like he had any opportunity to get the ball down the field, at least on the TV broadcast. You know, I, I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay in the game. Um, I didn't think he played his best game, easy, you know, without question. I thought there were a couple times where he held the ball too long. And again, we'll, we'll both have a better handle after we look at the All-22 on if there were guys that were missed. But I, I thought he was just okay. Now, it's kind of what San Fran does to most teams. You know, you always have to take that to it. They weren't playing some scrub team where you should have been lighting them on fire. I get it. But if you're an MVP candidate, you got to do better than than what Jalen did. I thought he was eh in the game. Well, one of the inexcusable plays for me was taking that big sack in the yeah. red zone. Because we could go back, and I don't know if it would have changed the outcome necessarily with how bad that defense got beat. But – Two big drives to start the game and sputtering in the red zone. 14-0 would have been a huge difference compared to 6 nothing in that football game. And that sack was on Jalen Hurts. You cannot take a sack like that in the red zone that almost guaranteed you're not going to be able to convert a touchdown. So I put that one on Jalen Hurts. That was a big play in that football game that I don't know if it would have changed the outcome, but certainly would have given them a better shot if they go up 14 nothing instead of 6. Yeah, and the weird thing is, you you know, the the two number 1 receivers I call them, but the, the two starting receivers had good games. I thought AJ Brown and Devontae had pretty solid games. Uh there just wasn't a lot else from anybody. I mean, Swift didn't get chances like we talked about. Quez, would he have a couple of catches? He was back involved a little bit. I mean, not much. You, the the depth drops off big time. You have no backup tight end who's capable of giving you anything in the offensive game in terms of catching passes. Zacchaeus, yes, he had the big catch against the Bills, but that was more of a brilliant Jalen play than it was anything else. They do lack some depth there, this team. You and I have talked about it before. I'm not a huge fan of Quez Watkins. I know you're yeah. not a huge fan of Quez no. Watkins either. He did have a couple of catches in that game, but it's plays like the one where Jalen Hurts underthrows the deep ball to Quez. And it would have been a tough catch. I'm not saying Quez should have caught that ball, but I do think a better wide receiver, there's a pass interference on that play. When you underthrow a deep ball and you have the defensive back beaten the way Quez Watkins had him beat, you fight back towards the football 
and you're going to get the flag. You're going to get it. And you just don't see big plays like that from Quez Watkins. A couple catches, but we talked about it last week. Alameda Zacchaeus having that big touchdown in the Bills game. Quez doesn't make that play. He doesn't. And that is a huge drop-off. And when you're out a guy like Dallas Goddard, it's a problem. But look, even with the drop-off to the wide receiver three, the offense is talented enough that they should not be getting shut down like they've been shut down in the first half of the last three games. Yeah. It's, they're too talented. Jalen Hurts is too good. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, nobody can guard them. So the fact that this offensive staff hasn't been able to figure out how to start quicker is alarming. But unlike the defense where you look at these numbers and they're in the bottom of the league, I'm still okay with this offensive coaching staff. I still think they can get the job done. Because you've seen, although Brian Johnson has made some head-scratching play calls at times, he's also made some really good play calls at times as well. And you don't go 12 straight touchdowns in the red zone with bad play calling. They were doing a really yeah, good they job. they made a massive adjustment there because that was a struggle early. Yeah. Yeah, and it was you got to give them credit. So as much as we love to complain, you do have to give them credit. They got a lot better in the red zone. That was really good job by Brian Johnson and the offensive coaching staff. But just get DeAndre Swift a little bit more involved. I think it'll go a long way. And every time we talk about the running game, Rob, I'm, I'm sure you get it here on this show. I get it on my show constantly. There's at least five comments about Rashad Penny in the, in the chat. Everybody wants to see Rashad Penny. And I've been saying this since like week three. I really think we just need to give up on the hopes that Rashad Penny is going to contribute to this football team. They clearly have no trust that he's anywhere near the guy he was in Seattle. Uh, yeah, like I'm with you. Like there, there are things that we don't get the opportunity, and this is going to lead into where I'm going with you next. But there are things that we don't get an opportunity to see in practice that they do. Now, you, the, the counter to that from a fan could be, well, why'd you sign this guy? Why is he still here? Why yeah. isn't there somebody on the roster who can help? Right, and that's totally valid. But he must, he must not be able to play, man, and he must be here just for depth purposes if somebody goes down. I mean, look, the guy, when he was healthy, was putting up numbers that were, like, unheard of. I think he was averaging, what, 5.9 yards yeah, per yard carry? Carrier were Something crazy. But yeah. just injuries after injury after injury have probably taken their toll. But I'm with you. If he's not going to contribute, I wanted to see at the trade deadline I was calling for, I would have liked to have seen the Eagles bring in a bigger back yeah. to go with Swift and Scott and Gainwell. Because all three of those guys are relatively the same size back. And if Rashad Penny, who is a big back, wasn't going to be able to get even activated on game day, well, bring in a guy who can contribute. But right. I hey, agree. If you're not if you're not running the ball, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The ar- the argument then is, well, if Swift gets six attempts, well, who cares? But yeah, yeah. I, I got you. Um, so that leads to to two names that I, I you know, frankly, I, I thought about them this week because of some of the defensive struggles, but I haven't thought about them a lot this year. Nolan Smith and Keely Ringo. Now, Ringo may be more of a stretch considering he was taken a little bit later and there's development and all that. But um, I thought you'd get a little bit more out of Nolan Smith. And, it, you know, it, it, by snaps, by productivity, it ain't much. And it may be one of these deals where they're seeing him in practice every day and he's not ready to take on that kind of responsibility. If that's the case, that's a bummer for a guy who was taken as high as he was. 
I'm definitely disappointed in Nolan Smith. And with Keely Ringo, I agree with you. I thought they drafted him more as a project. He's still very young, 21 years old, has all of the size and potential to be a shutdown corner in this league. But I don't think they drafted him with the expectations that he was going to contribute this year. He doesn't get any snaps on defense. Straight special teamer. But I still... I'm not ready to rule out Keely Ringo fourth round. They did give up a third round to move up and get him, so they obviously liked him. But I don't think, from everything I heard, that they thought he was going to contribute this year. But Nolan Smith, very alarming. First-round draft pick at a position where you've seen young guys able to come into this league and contribute by getting pressure on the quarterback. And in this game against the 49ers, 11 snaps – you haven't really seen his snaps increase drastically since they let Derek Barnett go. That's what right. everyone's hope was. Is, oh, okay, Nolan Smith's going to get a lot more reps now because they're letting Barnett go. I mean, the fact that Brandon Graham is still getting more than double the amount of snaps of Nolan Smith, who you used a first-round draft pick on, is concerning. Not ready to rule him out. We've seen guys get, speaking of Brandon Graham, blossom a little bit later in their careers. But sure. it is concerning to me because I was – So high on Nolan Smith. So high on him. I wanted to see the Eagles, if they didn't get Jalen Carter at 10, I said, I'd like to see them take Nolan Smith at 10. Thankfully, they were able to move up, get Carter, and still get Nolan Smith all the way down at 30. But maybe now you're starting to see why he fell all the way to number 30, which we all thought was a steal at the time. Right, exactly. And again, look. You do want to have patience. You want to just let this thing, let some guys marinate a little bit. But I'll, I'll tell you this too. They're, um, they're big boys. And, and I consider the big boys, Redick, uh, Sweat, namely, throw BG in there as well. You know, uh, Carter, Davis, Cox. They got to start being more disruptive. They've got to get home more. Like the sack number is okay. Like I said, they're eighth. It's fine. It's not terrible by any stretch, but they need to be more disruptive. And the other part is, and that this this goes hand to hand, hand in hand with the fact that they're nineteenth in takeaways. You got to put some more heat on these quarterbacks, man, and force them into mistakes. You got to be able to take the ball away a little bit more on the back end. You got to be able to get a strip. Got when was the last time we saw them strip somebody? I can't even remember. Well, it would have been. Bradley Roby on Travis Kelsey in that Chiefs game, which okay. was a huge play. It we was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But there hasn't been a ton of that this year, unfortunately. Well, here's something that's concerning when you talk about Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and wanting them to contribute more. My concern is how much these guys are going to wear down because they're playing a lot of snaps. I just pulled up the snap counts on the season. Josh Sweat has played close to 77% of the defensive snaps. Hassan Reddick close to 76% of the defensive snaps. And I want to see what they did last season. Last season, Hassan Reddick played 73%, so he was up there, but Josh Sweat only played 53% of the snaps. So you've seen Sweat go from 53% all the way up to 75%. And you know the Eagles, by having a deep defensive line, want to be able to rotate these guys through. So it's even more alarming that Nolan Smith can't get on the field when you got a guy like Josh Sweat playing that many snaps in a 17-game season. I just hope these guys don't start to wear down.
I, I did want to mention this too, but we'll get back into the analysis here. But uh, congratulations to Lane Johnson. He has been the he's the Eagles nominee uh, for the nationwide Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Each team nominates uh, a player for that. He's done a ton in terms of mental health. Uh, I saw him even tweeting stuff out yesterday, uh, talking about anxiety, and he's he's made it a point to to really you know try to help folks with that. So good for him. Uh, anyway, but but you know a guy who's great on the field and has been you know a, a big time influence off the field trying to help folks, Lane Johnson, and. Definitely congratulations to Lane Johnson doing a lot. And man, the one positive when you look at that 49ers game, did you see Lane Johnson <sighs> battling with Nick Bosa? I mean, this is a guy who Lane Johnson missed last week because of a groin injury and just so athletic to see guys that big. That was a cool battle to watch. And Lane Johnson pretty much shut him down. Yeah, I was watching like uh, Brian Baldinger. If you ha- if you don't follow him on Twitter, it's a great follow. He does these Baldy's breakdowns and he did. He was doing some of the one on one stuff with those two isolated on an island lane gets no help man it's just like all right deal with bosa and bosa didn't get a sack in the game he's he's look i i don't think it's even close now they people may hold the ped thing against them but i think he and kelsey should be absolute locks for the hall of fame locks one thousand percent i'm glad you mentioned the hall of fame i i had seth joiner on last night i asked seth about eric allen said hey one of your teammates nominated again for the hall of fame what do you think he said it's long, long overdue for Eric Allen to make the Hall of Fame. But he's not the first person to come out and say that. So let's hope Eric Allen finally gets his due yeah. and gets put into the National Football League Hall of I've Fame. I've never sure. gotten that one, Bill. I mean, he his interception numbers are there. His interception return numbers are there. His pers- you know all the, all the stuff that PFF does now. Like if you look at his breakdowns, uh, he was a great corner. He was. He was great, and he played a long time, had really good longevity. It's not like he was some hidden secret just here in Philadelphia. He played elsewhere and was really good. And no, I don't controver- no controversies. Good dude. Nothing. Everybody seems to have liked him. I don't no. understand it. Sometimes I think people just fall through the cracks, unfortunately. Yeah, I think he's an example of it. And hopefully, hopefully he'll get his recognition for sure. Um, all right, so a couple a couple other things that I, I, I wanted to hit here um, from what's happening with them. You know, there are certain players who I think we had – high expectations for who in some cases have been okay and other cases have let them down. Um, you go to the offensive side of the ball. Do you think they're the, the and I'm going to go back to the offensive line. Do you think they're run blocking the way that we anticipate if they do they, they would, or do you think this is just not giving the running backs enough touches? I think it's a little bit of a, of a combination, but it is so hard because We've talked about this before that it, the running game is not something that usually can just turn on and say, okay, we haven't ran the ball all day, but now we're going to try to run the football. You really have to establish it, and they don't allow, in addition to the running backs, they don't allow the offensive line to get into any sort of rhythm with the run blocking. But that didn't seem to hurt them last year. You know, Last year, it didn't matter. Whenever they wanted to turn on the running game, they could just flip that switch and the running game just dominated everybody. So we've seen a little bit of a drop-off. But again, a little hard to say because Cam Jurgens was out for a few weeks in the middle there, and you saw the yards per carry really take a dip. But I was surprised when I went and looked at the pro football focus numbers. Jason Kelsey had a really bad grade in the running game. Is that the right? I thought the guards had, a, had some rough grades too. So you I, have I thought Dickerson and, and uh Jurgens had some rough grades too. Here I'll pull it up for us. So we had 
I'm just pulling it up now, but I remember being a little bit surprised by it. Um, I am surprised by Kelsey again. Uh, that it's tough sometimes. So just run blocking. Broadcast. Yeah. Jason Kelsey was the lowest graded offensive line, according to PFF in run blocking. They gave him a 40.1 grade. Wow. To put that into perspective, Lane Johnson had a 68 was the highest graded. So that was alarming to me. And especially because he's going up against a guy that all of us love to say, oh, he's not good against the run. And that was Javon Hargrave. Right. So pretty alarming for, for Jason Kelsey because that's out of character for him. He, he's done a good job all season long. Surprised by that. Jason. Run blocking. I mean, on the year, on the year, Jason Kelsey's run blocking grade has been an 82.7. So he was like almost ha- like more than half. Dipped. According according to PFF, which is alarming. That's that's surprising. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the thing, too. When you get universally beat like they did, they got beat up front, I, I think, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, when you lose 42 to 19, period, you get whipped, you know, that and that badly. It's it's pretty obvious. I, and I said this to Tone yesterday. Sometimes when you win, the warts get covered up. And and when you lose, I think it can and really serve as a wake, like a real wake up call where you take a step back and you say, "All right, guys, we have to fix this. We can't continue. This is this is not the way to keep going." And that's what I hope this game serves as because you didn't just you weren't in some battle. It wasn't some bad luck that happened. There wasn't a field issue. You got smoked. And when that happens, sometimes you got to regroup and reassess. You know what's happening. We're going to learn a lot about this team. We, we love to talk about how great this team has been under Sirianni and with Jalen Hurts at quarterback at responding to adversity. But they've never been beaten like this. So now we'll see how do they respond, and they have a great opportunity in front of them to shut a lot of people up and dominate the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World on Sunday night. won't be easy, no. but if they can bounce back with a big win, you'll see a lot of people – and I just talk about the Cowboys for a second. It's just, yes. you mentioned earlier, they barely beat, maybe this was Farsi. You guys are running together in my brain now, but they barely beat the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, they did. That was the only team that they've beaten who had a winning record when they played them. And now the Seattle Seahawks are six and six. So they've not beaten anybody yeah. that currently has a winning record. But I just love the national media now. Dak Prescott been disrespected for so long. This Dallas Cowboys team, they're a good team. But, man, does the national media love to hype them up as soon as they win a game. Yeah, I, they're um, they're a great front-running team. That's They do that particularly well. They, they can beat bad teams. They will smoke bad teams like it's nobody's business. You look at their wins. All right. They've beaten the Giants, the Jets. I'm just going chronologically here. Giants, Jets, New England, Chargers, Rams, Giants again, Carolina, Washington, and Seattle. You're right. Not one of those teams is over 500. So how does that bode for the stretch here where they face the Eagles? I think is Buffalo still 6-6? and I think that's what they are. Eagles, Buffalo, Miami. So at least of the one, two, three, of the five teams that they have left, four either are at 500 or above 500. So the, the the notion that Dallas runs the table is, yeah, let, let's let's wait and see on that one. I'm much more concerned about San Francisco running the table than I am Dallas. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah, they don't they don't impress me. I do think they have a, a decent team, but 
we saw what they've done against some bad teams. And I see some of our Cowboys trolls in the chat not happy with me that we're just speaking the truth. We haven't said anything that wasn't true. They haven't beaten a single team that currently has a winning record. Yeah. but And, and, and look, they're good. They're good. Nobody's arguing that. Like we said earlier, I mean, they're they're um, they're the number one offensive scoring team and they're the number four points allowed. That's a that's a good they're thirty two point three points per game that they score and they only give up eighteen point three. I mean, that's good. But, you know, we'll see when the, the, the competition ratchets up to close out the season like it's it's going to do. You just reminded me, Rob, because you talked about one of the teams that they beat and the Eagles beat them as well. The New England Patriots. How bad have things gotten in New England? Did you see they're the first team? I think I don't know what how long back it goes, but to hold a team to under ten points and still lose every game. Yeah, six nothing <laughs> was the final last week. Yeah, and they've lost like three. Well, let me see what it was because they lost three straight games. New England. They lost six nothing. Yep. Ten seven. And ten six are their last three losses. So that defense has held teams to 10 points or less, three straight games, and they've lost all three. You think Belichick's back next year? I don't. I've been on it for a while. I don't. I, I know he just signed an, uh, uh, you know, an extension in the, I guess, before this season. But I think there will be a mutual parting of the ways where it'll be spun like it was just better for both sides. You know, Bill's been incredible, but we understand he wants to, you know, maybe tackle some new horizons and, you know, we're ready for a fresh voice. Wish him nothing but the best. Every kissy and huggy and bye bye and all that good stuff. Like I think that's where it goes. I I don't think he's back. I do not. I, Tone disagree. I think Tone Tone is on. He's going to be back. I don't think so. If I'm Robert Kraft, I'm pulling Belichick aside and saying, "Listen, man, you've earned the right to go out on your own terms. So that's why I'm telling you, why don't you step down? Because yeah. I don't think that you should fire a Bill Belichick with everything that he's done." But I do think it's time for him to move on. And I think you started to see it last year when they tried that whole experiment with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. It was similar to what we saw with Andy Reid, as great as Andy Reid is as a coach. And I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. If you remember his last year or one of his last years here in Philadelphia, they decided to make Juan Castillo. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo. Correct. The offensive line coach, the D coordinator. Everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that started to kind of be the cracks in the foundation. And then it was time for him to move on. And look, he's had great success in Kansas City. But I do think his time had come here in Philly. And you're starting to see some of that stuff from from Bill Belichick saying, like, what are you doing, man? You are. And I know it bothers him down deep that everybody's going to say, see, it was more Brady than him. I know that's going to tick him off. I know it. But hard to argue. Brady covered up a lot of flaws. He really did. And they – the, the Bill's biggest problem isn't necessarily Bill the coach. It's Bill the you know player personnel man. Yeah, I don't think he recognizes talent coming out of the college ranks well enough, and especially on the offensive side. And he's trying to get away with not having great talent on the outside at wide receiver. 
which you could get away with to an extent with Brady. You can't with these other guys. And you mentioned Tom Brady, and not only did he cover some up, stuff up on the field, I think the intangibles, because we talk about the intangibles a lot with Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady was one of the best leaders we've ever seen in this sport. No doubt. And I think that whole Patriot way worked because your leader on that team was Tom Brady leading the way. When you remove him from the equation, the Patriot way becomes a little bit more difficult with some of these younger guys. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. I mean, a combo of greatness and, you know, just just an innate ability to lead. It's a, it's amazing what Brady did for as long as he did. All right, let's get a quickie in here, and we will come back, kind of jump around. we got our NFL segment coming up at uh, – at the top of the hour. And then when we come back, we'll mix in some flyers. I know you love the fly guys, uh, taking care of business against the Penguanos. And, uh, we'll mix in some Sixers and some Phillies as well, because the Phillies, uh, handed out a little extension, which we didn't get a chance to get into. We will do that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Bill Colarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network time for me to tell you about pro action restoration. Yes. Pro action restoration is the place that you turn to if your home, your business experiences the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage. I experienced the uh, the pain of water damage. And uh, I have big giant holes in my ceilings and my wall to prove it. And the great folks at Pro Action Restoration fix the problem. They're actually coming out here uh, next week, uh, early next week, to, uh, to begin work on my house. Um, and, and again, the beauty is Pro Action Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. And I can tell you from personal experience, Pro Action Restoration works in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke, mold damage, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or you can reach out online, proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back with you on this Tuesday. We appreciate you hanging out. That's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, Bill, so let's hit a couple things here. Flyers, man, back-to-back. It's always sweeter when it's against the Penguins, but 2-1 win in overtime last night. They've won back-to-back against the Penguins. Sean Couturier with the game winner last night. They're now 13-10-2 on the season, and I get it. I get people had checked out. I get the apathy over the last couple of years, and it's going to take people a while to come back, but they're getting a lot out of a little in a lot of ways to be where they are record-wise. And you got a third of the way through the season now, and you can get a clearer picture because sometimes early on teams can come out and they're playing well and then they'll fall off. Now played 25 games this season, 13-10-2. Competitive hockey is back. I've said don't get visions of grandeur that they're going to win a Stanley Cup, but there's a good product on the ice in South Philadelphia now. They're playing really hard. They're well-coached. They have some young players. They're still missing a sniper. They haven't really had a sniper in a long time. Even when Drew was here, he was more of a playmaker, not a sniper of a goal scorer. But they're getting contributions from some young guys now. Tyson Forrester, four goals in his last three, big goal last night to tie the game. Couturier looks healthy, the game winner in overtime last night. It's They're a fun team to watch. They play really hard, and they've been great on the penalty kill. You look at last night, they go three for three on the penalty kill. That's 35 of the last 37 penalties that they've killed off, and they're top seven in the NHL. That's because they play hard. You know under John Tortorella, you're going to block a lot of shots. You're going to play really good defense, but – and if you're not, you won't be playing. <laughs> well, you saw what he did the other night. Yes. You got Joel Farabee, who's been one of your better players all season, yeah. has well, one bad him. shift mm-hmm. in the beginning of that game. He sat on the bench the rest of the game, even after losing. Uh, who was the guy they lost that got kicked out of that game? I'm forgetting. Uh, 
forgetting his name now. Uh, but he got kicked out on a questionable, questionable hit. It was a, it was a clean hit. Oh, geez, it's driving me crazy. But anyway, I got you. Yeah. That was Thursday night. Yeah. But anyway, that's what you're going to get from Tortorella. But they're playing really good hockey. So if you used to be a Flyers fan and you checked out because of how bad the product has been on the ice, I don't blame you. But it may be time to turn your attention back to the Flyers because they're playing some really good hockey right uh, now. You brought up Forster. Man, he's got a heavy shot, doesn't he? Woof. For a young kid, that shot is Four goals exciting. in his last three games. You know what's interesting? You talk about a good shot. I forgot that Jeff Carter is still in this league. He's on the Penguins, and I saw him. I can't believe he's still playing. And he's still playing. It's crazy. You know, I, I still will never forget that day, man. One of the craziest days as a Flyers fan to hear oh. Carter's traded. And then about an hour later, Richards gets traded on the same day by Paul Holmgren. And it was, oh, my God, what are they doing down in South Philly? Bill, I had just done a radio show, right? And I, I, I did it from Atlantic City. I won't name where it was. It wasn't at the Great Ocean, but it was somewhere else, okay? I'll just leave it at that. I'm in my car. I, I fit, We got off at, I think, at 2, 2 p.m., okay, or 1 p.m., whatever. Get in the car. Uh, let me let's see what's anything going on, Bubba. All of a sudden. Oh, news coming down now. Uh, who went first? Was it Richards or Carter? I think it was Richards I first. I can't remember. I can't remember. It was just very close in time to each other. All right. So so anyway, that comes. And I'm already like stunned driving. I'm like, whoa. And then you're not going to believe this. And you're right. It was like an hour, 45 minutes later. Like Jeff Carter also gone. It was like, whoa, man. <laughs> that was a, was a turning point really in, in a lot of ways, organizationally. And then you remember... I was a little bit angry at the time, a little bit jealous, I guess you could say, because they traded Richards to L.A. and they traded Carter to Columbus, and Carter didn't want to be in Columbus. Correct. Wasn't happy there. Yep. He ends up getting traded to the L.A. Kings, and then they win a Stanley Cup together. It was – I had just had jealousy, man. I've never seen a Stanley Cup, Rob. I'm not old enough to remember the 74-75. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. And I have been a huge Flyers fan from when I was a kid. Grew up playing hockey from when I was about five, six years old. And in my house, as much as we were Eagles fans, for whatever reason, my family loved the Flyers. My grandparents loved the Flyers, I think, because mm -hmm. they fell in love with those Broad Street bully teams. So I always grew up watching hockey, went to all the games, and they got so close so many years. And I grew up with the Eric Lindros team, yeah. the Legion of Doom, and how close they got. And I've never been able to deliver that Stanley Cup, man. That's one of the things I really want to see. Same here. I mean, I was too little. I, I was alive, but I, I was I was a, a little baby, you know, when, when they won in, in 74 and 75. I, I couldn't, I don't remember it. So I grew up with the teams that got really close with Mike Keenan, you know, Dave Poole and those guys. I love those guys. Tim Kerr. What was it? Was it the 87 team with the offsides call? That was that was 7980. Yeah. 87 was Hextall uh, rookie year, right? Yeah, 85 was Pelly, 87 Hextall, you, you know, and they went against uh, what was a future, you know, Hall of Fame team with the Oilers, you know, those years with Gretzky and all those guys. But anyway, they got close a bunch of times. They were scrappy. You know, then it was Lindros era, which was a lot of fun. You know, then it was kind of like Hitchcock and Roenick and those eras, and they got close. 2010 was crazy, that whole run. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 48 years now, man. That's <laughs> a... It's crazy. It's been 48 years, but I think and they're on the right path. That's the I just want to see playoff hockey back in South Philly. Yeah, There's nothing better, man. It's just it's it, the game gets raised to a whole different level. And hockey's still probably the only sport that I prefer to watch in person than on television. Every other sport, I'm okay being on 
my couch watching it. I mean, obviously with the Eagles games now, I'm down at the wonderful Ocean Casino doing yep. game day shows. Yep. But hockey, it's just different when you're in the building. Yeah, agreed. Oh, there, I tell people that all the time. I, even if you're not a diehard hockey fan, go in person. You'll gain an appreciation for the sport. I, I'm, I, it's, yeah. TV does not do hockey justice. Uh, of any of the four, if you're talking football, baseball, basketball, hockey, it's the least well represented, in my opinion, on TV. Yeah. Um, all right. So Sixers, they play tomorrow night. They play Washington tomorrow night. They, they're only going to have five days off. They haven't played since Friday. Um, and they were without everybody Friday. I mean, you had no one B, you had no Matt, whatever. And they hung with Boston to their credit. Almost pulled well. it off. Pat they, Bev had a great game. Oh, yeah. I would have loved that. Uh, uh, loathe the Celtics. But anyway, um, they get Washington tomorrow. And it looks like everybody should be back. Uh, for them. So here's where they are right now. They're 12 and seven, which is good for fourth in the, uh, in the Eastern conference, Boston's 15 and five Boston lost last night in one of those in season things to, uh, to the Pacers. I have no idea what's, what's what with that <laughs> Orlando's 14 and six, uh, Milwaukee's 14 and six. Then it's the Sixers and the Knicks at 12 and seven. The, the good news also is they're getting Kelly Oubre back from whatever went down. But it looks like he's coming back. Uh, that's great punch for them offensively that they've needed. It's it's hard because when they don't have it like Ubre, it's basically Embiid and Maxi. Unless you get crazy contributions from like Pat Bev, those two have to go nuts and be almost borderline great every night for the Eagles to the Sixers to win. Yeah, you can't rely on the other guys. They'll have a good game here or there offensively, but you just can't rely on them week after week. But maybe Ubre can really help this team out. But I still think they're missing that third piece. So I just want to see them keep winning games, stay relevant, and hopefully at the trade deadline, somebody becomes available that you could add to this team to maybe put them over the top. And I don't even really like mentioning his name, but did you see James Harden came out and talked a little bit more about what went down with Daryl Morey? Yes. So, uh, yeah, for people who didn't see it, I think it was an athletic article. And yeah. basically the gist of it was I was promised a max contract by Daryl Morey. Uh, and then and then he ghosted me, I guess, is, is kind of the gist. And according to people who John Clark, I saw, among others, said that their sources told them that that didn't happen. Well, I don't, I don't think know. if I understand the NBA rule correctly, I don't think that's something that would have been legal for the Sixers to make that type of promise. I think they would have been penalized for that if that was the case. But anyone that watched James Harden last year, what would make him believe that he was worthy of a max contract? That's what I find so disturbing. I guess he thought, here's my guess. And a lot of us thought this too. Thought Maury was so blinded by his friendship slash affection for James Harden that he was going to give him a deal anyway, just because he was blind to the fact that this guy was, you know, nowhere near what he was previously. I'm extremely thankful that he didn't go that route. Um, but Harden has always Harden and his agent have misread this thing from the jump. Yeah. There, there isn't the market for him. People see the limitations. It's why, why do you think he opted in? Because he knew the agent knew nobody was giving him anywhere near 36 million that he's making this year. He should be thankful. What do you see the dip in the salary that he gets next year? It's going to be massive off of what he's making this year for him to think he was getting a max. It's absurd. He's kidding himself. And that's why I was so happy with the move when they made it. I think they did a good job there getting rid of him. You 
unloaded P.J. Tucker's contract. And if you saw some of the stats, P.J. Tucker, I think he has zero points in his last, like, 12 games or something. You're playing five on four. Ridiculous. Yeah. So that's good, and they got a lot of assets back, and they now have some flexibility. So we will see. I just don't think, as it's constructed, as good as Maxi is this season, the leap he's taken, I just don't think they can compete in a seven-game series with Milwaukee or Boston or, you know, even the Magic look good right now. But they do. You know, we'll see what it, happens as the trade deadline gets here. I, that's the thing. As much as it's uh, it's definitely refreshing watching them, Nick Nurse is doing a hell of a job. It's nice not to have the hardened cloud over you. Maxie's a blast. Like, they're fun, right? But the problem you have is, at the end of the day, if you slice and dice it, are they still good enough to get it beyond Boston and Milwaukee as presently constituted? No. Yeah. They're not. They're not. Sills jumping in here. On the hockey discussion. Is that the real big sales? Yeah. Crazy uh, NHL champion staff from 73 to 88, 15 years, only four teams won. That is insane. The the Flyers, you know, Flyers probably would have won three had Bernie not getting a stick in the eye. The Islanders with Billy Smith as their goalie and and, and among others, I'm, I'm, I don't want to shortchange anybody else, were phenomenal. And the Oilers teams, uh, where do you start? Yeah, I, it's like I, a I Hall of Fame team get. right there. Yeah. And Montreal was, yeah, was great as well. I'm, I'm going to take not there a little bit before me, but they were great as well. It is true. There, there, there was such a level of dominance, and that, that appreciates Sills chiming in there. Such a level of dominance with those clubs. I mean, even even the Flyers got to finals in the, the one we were just talking about, 79 80, with the with the bad call against the Islanders with Leon Stickle offsides. They got there in 85. They got there in 87, and they got there in 97 with Lindros. They got there in 2010. They just haven't been able to close the deal. I mean, that's what it is. But, yeah, the Islanders during those years were, that Dan's talking about when he was in high school were freaking awesome. They were unbelievable. Um, yeah. You know, and, again, the Flyers then had to kind of turn it over from the Clark years into Mike Keenan and Dave Poulin and Tim Kerr. And, and, you know, and Tockett and all those guys, you know, and they they were just a, a scrappy bunch that just didn't quite have the talent level. Had Pelly Lindbergh lived, sadly, you know, it, it might have been a different story. Uh, but, but Hextall, when he first came up, was spectacular. I mean, just Gretzky said it was it was the greatest performance he's ever seen. What, what uh, Hextall did against them in the finals in 87. He won the MVP and on a losing yes. effort. Correct. Correct. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, all right, wanted to touch on on this Phillies before we uh, we we dive head headlong into our NFL segment. But Rob Thompson extended, which uh, takes him through twenty five. Bill, which means uh, no lame duck this year. Smart move. You, you couldn't. It wasn't going to go any other way. Yeah, you had to do this. He, I'm sure he's not holding them up for money. Just get it done so it's not hanging over his head where it's brought up all the time. That's all. And Farzi and I just talked about this on my show earlier. Just because they gave them this extra year, make no mistake, if the Phillies underperform, yeah. Middleton won't have a problem paying him for a year he's not Agreed. managing this ball club. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. Same. But, yeah, you, you couldn't let Thompson go in. And, look, he's done a great job. I know a lot of people were disappointed, including myself, with the way it ended this year. But you look at what he's done over the last two seasons. It's amazing. It's amazing, and he's the perfect voice for that team because there was a lot of people, rightfully so, panicking this year with the slow start, and Thompson stayed calm, 
said all the right things, believed in the team, and they almost did it again. I know almost doesn't count, but he's been a good voice for that team. I think if if there's one, and I believe he'll learn from this, if there's one lesson extracted from the way it, it ended, I don't think he'll stay as loyal to guys in general, but especially in the bullpen. I, I think, you know, staying with Kimbrell was, was, it was a blind spot and a giant mistake. Ooh, that one hurt. Yep. Yeah. And I'm still not over that. Um, but I, I, I truly believe that it won't happen again. I do. I think he even said as much like at, at, at the, one of his year end deals, he, or something else he was at, I forget, whatever he said, he looked back at some of the decisions. If I could change a couple, I would maybe, maybe, you know, bullpen related. That's what that meant. And, and that's good. I, I hope he does learn from that. Because that was a that was a big time mistake uh, that he made there. Very frustrating to watch. Yeah, very frustrating to watch. And it's still, man, I don't want to go back to those memories, but I still can't get over a guy who's been in the major major leagues as long as Kimbrel has been in the major leagues can't hold a runner on first. A guy gets on first, he's automatically in scoring position because you just can't hold him. That just frustrates the hell out of me. How about the one play when we kind of laughed at it? I think the Phillies were up pretty. It was a pretty healthy lead. He drops the ball to get the balk called. Yeah, just because he doesn't want the guy behind him. Doesn't want the guy behind him, like stealing signs or whatever. I'm like, how is this a thing? Like, how is this even possible? You know, and look, anyway, you you, you rode him as far as you could ride him, but you had to recognize it was time to get off. Um, The good news is in my, I don't know where you stand on this. I I don't, and I love the guy. And I think he's he's a lock hall of famer and he's been one of the greatest ever, but. I'm not a – I don't want the Phillies going after Trout. I just don't believe he can stay healthy. Where do you fall with that? A couple years ago would have been a no-brainer yeah. to bring Trout in, but I do think that you've seen a big decline. He can't stay healthy. Look, the story would be great. Hometown kid coming back, always at every Eagles game. Yep. But I agree with you. I, I don't think you bring in a guy like Mike Trout into this lineup. Would you do the move? There's some rumors they want uh, Juan Soda from the – San Diego. Yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine that he doesn't end up. I, I, he just feels like Yankees or somewhere else. Doesn't he? I mean, it, or Mets. That's the other thing. The, the Mets owner has been, other than Serrano has been laying pretty low or Severino. He, I, he's been laying pretty low. I, I think he's going to, I think he's coming soon, whether it's Otani or somebody else or the Japanese pitcher Yamamoto. I think he's going to come in swinging real soon. Cause this guy can't help himself. Yeah, he, Steve Cohen can't help himself. It's coming soon. Yeah, but hey, Phillies, we know they'll spend the money. They, they're going to do what they need to do. I, I still have confidence that we will have a World Series championship during Bryce Harper's Oh, no question. Career. No question. I agree with you, too. You know, I, we I, need I, it. We need I, it. He deserves yes, it. For sure. I wanted to hit a couple NFL things before we, we go into all the stuff. Um, so, yeah, the game last night between the Bengals and the Jags turned out to be a spectacular game uh, in Jacksonville. Oh, and I didn't, I I thought Jacksonville would run away with it, to be honest with you. I I didn't have any faith in Jake Browning. All all Jake Browning did 32 for 37, 354, a touchdown, a 115.5 passer rating. Jamar Chase went bananas in the game. Uh, It was, that was a fun one. I mean, that was a back and forth. I'm laying there like, I'm not going to sleep on this thing. It was a great game. Same, and I was a little bit delayed. I had DVR'd the game, and I was a little okay. bit delayed not checking my phone, trying to, like, catch up. So oh, that's keeping always my torturous. Eye, not keeping my eyes open. But what a game. What a game. And you're right. Jake Browning looked unbelievable. 
we know how good Chase was when he's when he's healthy, but this was a big missed opportunity for the Jacksonville Jaguars because if they won that game, they would have leapfrogged to the number one seed in the AFC. Right. Big loss, and, and I love Doug Peterson. I'm rooting for Doug Peterson. That was a tough loss for them, and now you don't know how long Trevor Lawrence is going to be out. They're saying it was an ankle sprain. He's going to have more testing done today, but that didn't look good. Yeah, the, the, so Peterson basically said they think it's a sprain. He didn't even use, use the word high ankle, and they're going to see how he how he does here. So it could have looked a lot worse. The other, the other big one for them is uh, Christian Kirk. It looks like he's got an oblique and might have to have surgery. So uh, that's that's a big blow, man, to Jacksonville. That's a that's a big loss, uh, you know, depending on how long he's out. If yeah. you know if he's able to come back or not. So that's a biggie. I think the Jaguars are still a little bit a little bit farther away from the Chiefs and the Ravens. And I agree. The higher echelon teams, but a lot of credit to Doug Peterson. You look at what he's done in two seasons in Jacksonville after the disaster that he was left with with Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson. We, a lot of people thought he was a good coach when he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, but there was still kind of that question, well, how much of it was him? A lot of people thought it was Frank Reich. We've seen that's not the case. Yeah. But now I don't think there is any denying that Doug Peterson is a great NFL coach. I always thought it was weird. Like there, were, And this came from some Eagles fans. Not, I wouldn't say a lot, but Eagles fans were like basically, ah, that was Reich and DiFilippo. I'm like, really? Yeah. Doug's calling the plays. Doug's the one in you know you see it on the sideline when he's mic'd up who has the guts to go with Philly special. He never let his foot off the pedal. I I, I don't know what the the issue some people had with him. Like I, I look back and would I have given him another year if I was the Eagles? Yeah. Can I really complain about the job Sirianni's done? No. It all yeah. worked out for both sides. You know, it worked out for both parties very well. I'm happy for him. It's still amazing, Rob. I mean, if you would have said to me in 2017 after they won that Super Bowl that Doug Peterson was only going to last two more seasons, it's just crazy the way it all ended up. But we yeah. did. We talked about this the last time I was on your show. Thankfully, Jeffrey Lurie does a good job of hiring head coaches. They found another one that nobody knew about, that nobody was really looking at in Nick Sirianni. But, yeah, got to root for Dougie P. Would love to see the Jacksonville Jaguars do some things, but – I just still think they're a little bit of ways off from the Ravens and even the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's dig in on everything NFL. Um, we'll look at we'll look at the. I'm going to give you the MVP odds, Bill. How they've moved since last week. Super Bowl odds. How they've moved since last week. And we got some really strange potential quarterback matchups this week in the league, which isn't necessarily good. Okay, I'm forewarning you, but. Bailey Zappi-ish kind of, kind of things that we're going to be talking about when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time for me to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. Uh, they are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. They specialize in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or to check out a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Appreciate it. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Bill Colarulo, Rob Ellis, hanging with you on this Tuesday. All right. So after all the action of week 13, I can't believe we're heading into week 14, by the way. I mean, <laughs> wise by, man. Um, so, uh, you know, that Eagles game shifted a lot. Shifted a lot with the MVP odds. Shifted a lot with the Super Bowl odds. So let's start with, let's start with MVP here. Um, Brock Purdy is now the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP. He's three to one to win MVP. Number two is Dak Prescott. He's plus 325. Jalen Hurts is number three at plus 350. Patrick Mahomes is six to one. He's number four. And Lamar Jackson is seven to one. He's number five. Um, looking at those odds, one through five, again, it's Purdy, Prescott, Hurts, uh, Mahomes and Jackson. A justified in your estimation. B, if you had to get in, look in your crystal ball here, and tell me who you think actually wins it. Who do you think it is? A definitely justified. And I think you actually asked me last week before this game even happened 
why wasn't Brock Purdy in the conversation for MVP? The guy's yep. having an unbelievable and season. His stats are ridiculous. Unbelievable season. And I think a lot of people now need to remove the whole come down to earth mentality because this is who he is. He's a very good quarterback. You saw yep. it on full display Sunday. But I think it's justified right now. Brock Purdy should be your MVP. And I think whoever wins it, this isn't really a hot take, but the reality Whoever gets that one seed in the NFC, in my opinion, their quarterback will win MVP. Because if the Eagles are able to get that one seed, I think that means Jalen Hurts is going to have a great few games coming up. I think he'll get the one seed. If not, and Brock Purdy gets the one seed with the 49ers, I think he'll get it. And if somehow the Dallas Cowboys get the one seed, you may see Dak Prescott win the MVP. So I really think it's going to come down to those three NFC quarterbacks. Yeah, I, look, I, I think it can go – any number of different ways here. I think your your assessment is good in terms of who gets the one seed and all that. You never want to count Mahomes out. Like if they go crazy here, and I don't know that they're capable of it. Frankly, their offense is nowhere near what it was no. uh, last year. But you never count him out. He goes crazy. You know, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar gets that one seed in the AFC. I think he's got a chance. You know, people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit. Prescott's a cowboy, which whether you love him or hate them, he's always going to be on national TV. He's always going to get notoriety. So he's definitely got a shot. And Hurts is definitely still in the same. I think the one thing that hurts Hurts is the turnovers. You know, where the other guys don't have those same kind of turnover numbers, uh, especially the NFC guys that he's chasing right now with Purdy and, and Prescott. They just don't turn the ball over, which is ironic because Dak turned it over a lot last year, especially in the red zone. But as far as this year goes, Jalen is turning it over more. And Dak's got three tough games coming up. We talked about it. If the Cowboys come out on top and Dak plays well in the next three games, he's probably your MVP. I mean, that would mean Dak Prescott beat the Eagles, the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, and then the Miami Dolphins in Miami. If Dak's able to do that, then hats off to him. As much as I don't like the Cowboys, that would be a hell of an accomplishment for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it would. It would. All right, so that's where we are with the MVP race. Let's now look at the Super Bowl odds. Kind of similar, kind of following suit to an extent. Um, 49ers are number one, plus 300. Chiefs are number two, plus 550. Actually, they're tied with the Eagles. Eagles are also uh, 550. So you got the Chiefs and the Eagles tied for second. The Ravens are third at plus 650, followed by the Dolphins at 750. Where are you getting these odds, Rob? I got different odds on DraftKings. Tell me what you got. So on DraftKings, I have the Niners at plus 310. Okay. And then they have the Eagles at number two at plus 550, with the Dolphins and Chiefs both tied at plus 650. Yeah, I think like anything, it depends on where you shop. Yeah. Right? Um, so I think it just depends. But we sleeping on anybody here? Well, it's interesting because – We've talked a lot about the Detroit Lions all season. And according to Vegas, they don't think the Lions are going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, they're, they're not they're believers. They're plus not. 1,400, which is drastically different than even the Cowboys at plus 850. But, you know, the only team I would have said maybe you were sleeping on before last night was the Jags. But I think they showed they're not ready. I think so, too. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ian Rappaport, uh, put out the Cowboys, Eagles, and 49ers playoff clinching scenarios this weekend. You ready for this? All right. Well, here's the Eagles. 
course, they're the Sunday night game against the Cowboys. But here's the Eagles. Clinch a playoff berth if they win, Seattle loses, or ties. That's one scenario. They win, Rams lose, or tie. They win, Green Bay loss or tie, plus Minnesota loss or tie. They win, Green Bay loss or tie, Detroit loss or tie. They win, Ram loss or Seattle loss. They win, Ram loss, Minnesota loss or tie. They win, Rams loss, Green Bay loss or tie. They win, Seattle loss, Minnesota loss or tie. They win, Seattle loss, Green Bay loss or tie. They win, Minnesota loss, Green Bay loss. All I got was they need to win. Yeah. (laughs) Cowboys win plus Minnesota loss or tie, plus Green Bay loss or tie, plus Seattle. You know what? I'm not even going to go through it. Yeah, there's so many of them. My head's going to spin. Here's what I want to see happen on Sunday. I want to see the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys, and I want to see the San Francisco 49ers have a letdown game against the Seattle Seahawks. Not predicting it'll happen. Not putting money against the San Francisco 49ers, but that would be a perfect weekend for Philadelphia if you see the Niners lose and you see the Cowboys get taken down by your Philadelphia Eagles would probably also be good for the Seahawks to beat the Niners and then have a letdown game the following week on Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. Am I getting greedy? No. Look, I don't think it's crazy. We know how emotional this game can be. You're some would argue that that was the Niners, you know, they they build it up like it was a Super Bowl, right? You come off of that there's a natural letdown that's going to be there. Now, I think it works the other way with the Eagles. If that didn't wake you up, that doesn't mean they're going to beat the Cowboys, but if that didn't wake you up to some of the things that you've been getting away with, I don't know what will when you get embarrassed like that at home. So you should see a – this game better be close. I'm not looking for a moral victory. Don't get me wrong, Bill. But if they don't show up against the Cowboys and they get beaten up again, it's time to start getting worried a little bit here. And especially if the defense looks like garbage again, it's time to really start getting worried with this team. I said it earlier on the show, and I saw some people in the chat giving me some slack for it. I think Nick Sirianni's a great coach. I really do. And I know some people think he's just a cheerleader. But I think he is a great coach, and I think what he does best is really keeping these guys focused. Yes, we saw a bad game on Sunday against the 49ers, but that's really one of the only times where you've seen them not be able to overcome adversity. And I think what you're going to see is Nick Sirianni is going to have this team ready. I think the leaders on this team are going to have this team ready. I just can't imagine that a team that's had the success that the Eagles have had over the last two years is going to come out after the ass kicking they just took and not be up in Dallas for a Sunday night football, nationally televised football game. And I think – Nick Sirianni, it's now time for, hey, if he is just that cheerleader that some people accuse him of being, I think it's time he really earns what I've been saying is that he's a great coach. I think he'll have these guys ready. No, I, I listen, I, I do too. I, I The thing about Nick is, uh, and I think it'll be reflected in his staff here, I, I think he's very self-reflective. I think he he looks in the mirror, he realizes when things aren't good enough, and he's, he's not too stubborn or too proud to, to make a change. I've always admired that about him. So I, I think that's going to be something that we're going to see. The, the, again, I get back to the, this is where like the rubber hits the road for me with this. Being willing and able are two different things. Are, are they able on the defensive side, especially the back end, 
are they able to make the adjustments and do what you have to do to succeed? Now, the answer, they held the Dolphins down offensively. They did a pretty good job against the Cowboys, all things told, even though that was a little crazier. Um, They've done a good job a couple of times this year, but I just, I'm not in love with where things are trending in some cases. And, and they did a good job against the Rams, who had a good passing offense yes. at the time in the second half. So you feel like the talent is there. And we have seen people talk about adjustments. We have seen Sean Desai come out in the second half of games and do a good job of shutting down opposing offenses. But, hey, this is why we love this sport, man. This is why we love the NFL. And we hate Cowboys. We love Cowboys week because of all the hate we have for the Cowboys. It doesn't get much better than this, that this game means a ton for both teams. It's on a Sunday night, and it's going to dictate a lot when in terms of the NFC East, the NFC, this is why we watch Rob. So you really can't ask for much more than what we're getting this week. Isn't that what's crazy? I mean, you think about like, like just for a second, look back at what this stretch has been and the intensity level every stinking week during this stretch, you went from Dallas at home and all the buildup for that game. You had a week off after the Dallas win to soak it in and then start looking ahead to the Super Bowl rematch against Andy Reid. Then Buffalo, which is no slouch kind of game. Then this Niners game, which was, you know, just a torture chamber to get to. And now the Cowboys again. Like, there is no let up here. And not only with who you were playing, but the way they won those football games. Yeah. You won Dallas pretty much last play of the game. Was the last play of the game. Was there any time left on the clock? I forget if they had to kneel it out, but pretty much the last play of the game, they win that game. Mm-hmm. Kansas City comes down to the end. Buffalo is an overtime game, gets sent to overtime on a clutch kick that we talked about with David Akers. I mean, you're right. It's been just the emotional roller coaster this team's been on. And that's why I did expect a letdown. I, I thought that there were a lot of reasons the Eagles could have lost the 49ers game. It's just you didn't expect what we saw. Maybe yeah, they like, would have lost, but not like that. I had them losing the game, and I'm not. I, I'm not happy about it. I, I, I was hoping I was wrong. I, but I didn't think. I thought it would be a tight game. I did not think that they would be taken apart like this. I do think you have to factor that in in terms of the schedule, in terms of what you were coming off. Uh, they had ten days rest. This is not excuses. Just, just part of it. Yeah. But they had ten days off. The, the Eagles were coming off an overtime game, and, and you know what? You, you could say. You know, the Eagles should have played better. Maybe you don't get it to overtime, whatever. I think all those things factor in. And it's part of why we always have these discussions about ebbs and flows of a season. There are ebbs and flows. And you you dipped into one of them on Sunday. And it, that's a team you can ill afford to do it against. You know, I mean, it, plain and simple. You have to bring your A game against that Niners team or you're going to lose. Unless they're injured. they're going. You're going to lose against that team if you don't play your best. And the Eagles were nowhere near their best. And they deserve what they got. Yeah, they they definitely, definitely do. And, man, I've got a lot of Niners fans trolling this show, and they were trolling my show yesterday as well. And I told them, look, troll away. You guys earned every single bit of this. You talked trash for almost a year, and they came out and they backed it up. Troll away. Yeah. You guys were the better team, dominated them. So let's just hope we get a rematch against the 49ers. And I'm just – would rather it be here in Philadelphia than in Santa Clara. Same.
All right, so listen to some of these potential matchups at the quarterback position this week. We could have a Bailey Zappi, Mitch Trubisky, C.J. Beathard, Joe Flacco. This one doesn't sound as bad as, as the others, actually. Um, Gardner Minshew and Jake Browning, actually, pretty good. Uh, Josh Dobbs, Aiden O'Connell. This is where it's at. There is such a dearth of, of quarterbacks that are capable in this league. You, when you get to the most of the backups, not all of them, Minshew, et cetera, but you get to most of these backups, man, oof, it's bad. It's the reason why the NFL takes such extreme measures to protect these quarterbacks because once these starters go down, it's usually a huge drop-off, and you see the product on the field become completely watered down. It's not fun watching games sometimes with backup quarterbacks. Last night was fun. Sure Last was. night was fun. But that's why they take all these extreme measures, and we get frustrated as fans when you see the ticky-tacky roughing the passer calls. But it happens. It happens, you know, and, and that's why sometimes it, it, you scratch your head. I think it was in the – was it the game last night? No, it was the Sunday night game with the Chiefs and the Packers where I was frustrated watching that game. Mahomes is trying to get the first down, running for the first down marker. The Green Bay Packer defenders coming up at the line to gain, makes the hit, and they call – Oh, it was awful. Unnecessary. It's like, what do you want these guys to Both do? Both feet were, were in the green. He was not out of bounds. And and that's the kind of thing should be reviewable. I get yeah. it. If you want to go overprotective on these guys, allow it to be reviewable. It was yeah. a it was a and he didn't leave with his head either. It was a shoulder. I it was agree a clean with football play. And how many times have you seen these quarterbacks use that to your their advantage where they almost look like they're going to go out of bounds or look like they're going to slide? And then they don't, and they pick up more yardage because the defender has has let up. That, that bothered me. But yeah. look, I get it. It's in the pocket. I get why they're over the top with protecting the quarterbacks. Yeah. I get it. You want to see these guys healthy. But, yeah, plays like that are, are frustrating. But we'll get some interesting matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite backup of the year right now, Tommy DeVito. Tommy D is starting again this week, by the way. Tommy Chicken Cutlet. Yes, your boy. Yes, he's starting again. Tyrod Taylor coming back from a rib injury, but he's not quite ready yet. So you, Tommy D's two and one in his last three. So I, I sent this to to Farzi after the game on on Sunday, and it just right. had me had me cracking up. So someone tweeted out, Tommy DeVito, I'm the most Italian guy in the NFL. Eagle security guy with an Italian flag polo, gold horn, and Italian boot of Italy pendant. Hold my chicken parm, Tommy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know that you're going to out Italian Big Dom. I mean, no, good you luck are not. If, if you're if you're going to try that. Yes, Dom speaks the language too. I don't know if you knew that. Big Dom can speak a little Italian. Oh, is that? I did not know that. Okay, yeah. he's the I, real deal. I'm going to be very curious to see if the league hands down any kind of sanctions or whatever. I I, I don't know. I don't know. You if haven't heard any. anything. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't heard. You know, you haven't heard anything, thankfully, but yeah, it's it's getting blown up like crazy. It's kind of getting blown out of out of proportion. I'm sure if Big Dom could go back, he would not have gotten involved. But I don't think he was trying to spark that. I mean, the thing for me is, is if Greenlaw doesn't throw that, I guess you don't even want to call it a punch. But if he doesn't hit Dom in the face, 
nothing happens. He, yeah, he great. He did graze him, and then all hell broke loose. But nothing happens. I mean, Dom's not getting thrown out of that game. I mean, he didn't do anything to get warranted to get thrown out of the game. It was because it got escalated by by Greenlaw. But yeah. let's just hope it it boils over. But man, I'll tell you what. The legend of Big Dom in the city of Philadelphia just keeps on growing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, my, here's my guess. The Eagles will get some kind of fine. He'll be told that he can't touch a player in a game. or Like, there's going to be some kind of weird stipulation, you know, yeah. some kind of deal. Like, you got to let him stay. If he's the, the chief of security, he's got to stay on the sidelines. But there's going to be some kind of stipulation with him in proximity to the field or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that's what it's ultimately going to well, be. Like, my thing was, what if he was a coach? Or, or what if he was a, a strength and conditioning coach? You've seen that time and time again where sure. players come onto the sidelines of another team and they get up and personnel, coaching staff, strength and conditioning coaches or whatever will will separate. I mean, Dom's kind of in that category. He's part of the Eagles team. He's part of that Eagles sidelines. It was in the white. It wasn't as if you know, a guy like he went out onto the field and, and did something. So. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. They'll probably do something. I know Dom hates the fact that his name's in, you know, all over. He's not a guy who looks for the spotlight at all. So yeah. hopefully it'll pass over. No doubt. All right. So a couple other things. You mentioned Tommy DeVito will start for the Giants this week. Did you see this stuff with Zach Wilson yesterday? Like, I get the Jets are going nowhere. But if they if they legitimately went to him and said, look, it, 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 you know, they, and they made a move today. They cut Tim Boyle. They brought in Brett yeah. Rippon. But, you know, if they went to him and said, hey, we're, we're shaking it up again. We're going to go back to you for the rest of the year. And and he was reluctant to do it. He would never, ever wear a Jet uniform again. Ever. I don't care what the, what the cash implications are. I don't care. I can't have that guy near my team. But and where are you at with it? So, Sala was asked about it. And I don't know if he's just running damage control or not, but Salah said, let's be clear. If he was reluctant to play, he wouldn't be here. And said that he is, the young man wants the ball, he wants to start. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't see how a report like that comes out if it wasn't there wasn't some truth to it. So I don't know if it's true, if he did it, if he didn't do it. But regardless, Rob, if I'm the New York Jets, I'm moving on anyway, man. Yeah. Oh, no, listen, he's I'm gone at the anyway. end of the year. Uh, there, there's no question. But if, if there was even a scintilla of doubt in anybody's mind, okay, that he was – that you still thought maybe there was a chance for him, that should have cemented it for you. Yeah. It should have it, cemented it for you. It's just – it's what's frustrated me, and I am – I'm not Jody Mack. I'm not a Jets fan by any means. But I was rooting for them simply because I wanted to see if Aaron Rodgers could make his way back from that Achilles tear in record time. And now there's just no reason no for him to do it. No. It just would be ridiculous. It'd be reckless on his part. Agreed. But that's why I was rooting for them. I wanted to see them stay relevant to see, hey, can this guy come back? And I'm not even that big of a fan of Aaron Rodgers. I just wanted to see somebody be able to do what he was trying to do. Yeah, a couple of things we mentioned a little bit earlier. Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk uh, is going to have to have surgery for a core muscle injury. That generally surgery for that is eight weeks. That's that's tough. That's a tough blow to the uh, the Jags, like we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, Ramondre Stevenson. Not that this matters in terms of playoff contention, but uh, that's another good 
you know, offensive player, at least solid offensive player, the Patriots will be without. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's out for upwards of a few weeks. So uh, they'll lose him. And I don't know if you can go any lower than zero points, but, we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, they might try. They're fighting for that top spot in the draft, man, with the Carolina they, uh, Panthers. How, how bad is it to be Carolina and be as awful as they are this season? And it doesn't matter. Chicago owns that pick. How torturous is that as a fan? Like, you don't even get the payoff of your team stinking with, with a great draft pick. And now you have an owner that the, at least the perception, I mean, I don't know him personally, but the perception now around the league is this is a guy you probably don't want to work for. Yes, very much. <laughs> I was very. reading some things about him, you know, after, and I, I believe he was quoted as basically saying something like, when I go to a restaurant and I don't like the waiter, I think to myself, I could buy this place and fire him. Like, really? Yeah. I'm like, that's something that, that you would say. Wow. Doesn't sound like a good dude to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. It's uh, he is. You look at the amount of coaches he's run through. It, it, it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, during a, a short period of time since he's been there. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, Puka Nakua has an AC sprain in the shoulder, but it looks like he is going to be able to play for them this week against the Ravens. This guy's had a, just an unbelievable season uh, for them as a rookie. Now that brings up the, uh, the standings here. So let's start in the NFC. Yeah, Rams, Rams have a shot, Rob. They're not out of it as much as you know, everybody kind of written them off. So there's six and six right now. So you have four teams. You have the Vikings, the Packers, the Rams, and the Seahawks are all six and six. Vikings right now are the sixth seed. Green Bay is the seventh seed. LA Rams are the eighth seed and Seattle's the ninth seed. But there's you know, a lot to be decided. And now you have Atlanta too in that mix, but Atlanta's leading the division right now in the South. They're also six and six. So I I think Green Bay gets in. I think Minnesota gets in. And I think it's going to be, well, uh, tell me what you think. I I, I think ultimately the form is going to hold. I think it's going to be Minnesota and Green Bay. But what, what do you think? Who, who do you think gets in in the bottom there? I think it's going to be Minnesota and Green Bay as well, because I think the Rams are going to lose to the 49ers the last game of the season. I don't think they're going to be able to, to win that football game, but I just think Green Bay, you, you look at Jordan Love, it's like three games in a row now where this kid's playing really well, and he looks like he's the guy they were hoping he was going to be when they got rid of Aaron Rodgers, so I think the Packers are getting in. Vikings is, is a tough one for me. I just don't know how good the Vikings are with Josh Dobbs. He's played well at times. He's looked like the guy who's been a journeyman at times as well. And they still have two games against the Detroit Lions. So you could see maybe the Rams sneaking in there or even the Seahawks. The Seahawks, they have some tough matchups, hopefully a tough one in two weeks against the Eagles. But, yeah, it's I think the Packers, for me, are definitely getting in. It's just going to come down to the Vikings, Rams, or Seahawks for that last spot, and you just don't know. And it's just crazy in the NFC South. Really, no one's out of it. No. <laughs> you got the Bucks. They at should five all be out seven. of it. None yeah. of them are. Bucks at five and seven. The Saints are at five and seven. They can yeah. catch the Falcons, who are six and six. And you know, the Falcons could lose any given Sunday. 
with with their situation. I'm they're not just a huge yeah. There's a, there's a lot of bad in that division. I mean, everybody kept waiting for New Orleans. New Orleans. Guess what? Dennis Allen's not a good coach. Derek Carr is is just a guy. You know, there's nothing special there. You got you got Michael Thomas making on the injured list, making comments. You know, firing tweets off during the game about guys being open. Like, what? Do you, what purpose is that serving? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, they're not. Guys, don't get it, man. I, I don't. I don't understand. You know what the what the point of any of that is. But but let's while we're in the NFC South. Yeah. How impressive is it what Mike Evans has been able to do? Ten straight seasons. Yep. With over a thousand yards, incredible, man. I think he's and one really, of the most underrated football players of the last 10 years, not just receivers, but football players. And you look at who he's had throwing him the football outside of Tom Brady. Right. Who's been throwing him the ball in Tampa Bay? It's been a bunch of guys. It's been a bunch of guys. It's been Jameis Winston. It's been Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's it hasn't, it hasn't been the cream of the crop for sure. Um, and he just shows up every single season and delivers. And he's a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah, he's still doing it at a high level, that's for sure. He really is. Uh, all right, AFC. So the way the playoff standings go right now, again, very bunched. Dolphins, 9-3, and three, sit on top. They win the tiebreaker over Baltimore on best win percentage in conference. Then it's Baltimore, 9-3. and three. Kansas City, who lost to Green Bay, is 8-4. and four. Jacksonville, who lost last night, is 8-4. and four. Pittsburgh, seven and five. They're going to be without Pickett because he had high uh, surgery for the high ankle sprain, that tightrope surgery. So it's going to be Trubisky, as we just mentioned. Cleveland is number six right now. Flacco's the starter. Indianapolis and and Shane Steichen, who's done an amazing job, is number seven. And Houston and D'Amico Ryan's has done an amazing job, is number eight. Then it's Denver. Don't write Cincinnati off either. Cincinnati and Buffalo. All six and six, Denver, Cincy, and Buffalo. If 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 it's any indication that Jake Browning might be figuring it out, Cincinnati's very dangerous. Bill to sneak in there, you know, in the, at the bottom of that conference. And it's crazy, you know, the NFL loves this that all these teams are still in the mix, but it's tough to predict who's getting in in both conferences. And, and I mean, I know I'm rooting for the Houston Texans to get in. Love the job that D'Amico Ryans is doing there. But, man, this is this is really tight. But, yeah, if Jake Browning, everyone wrote off the Cincinnati Bengals when Burrow went down. But if he could play the way he did last night, they got a real shot. It's amazing the Bills are still in the hunt. Because it looks like they're firing their offensive coordinator. There's all this drama. But, hey, they could still sneak into the playoffs. But oh. not a lot of good quarterbacks. It's just – it's amazing because you look, you wouldn't have expected Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson's out. The Colts, Gardner Minshew, playing well. Rookie quarterback in Houston. Russell Wilson in Denver. A lot of people wrote him off to start the season. Looks like he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals, Jake Browning. It's just amazing. These aren't guys that you would have expected to be leading their teams to the playoffs. And then Pittsburgh now. How long is Pickett out? Is he done for the year? He had surgery. Usually those, it depends. Those tight ropes try to speed the process up. It may be three, four weeks. So he could be back before the end of the season, end of the regular season, possibly, maybe. He hadn't exactly looked great anyway. I'm not, I'm not in love with Trubisky either, but I don't know, man. You, you don't count them out with Tomlin. I get it. I But I just don't like their offense at all. No, nah, but – 
Look, those AFC North teams have been winning a lot of times without offense and more so just gritty defenses. But it's going to be fun. I mean, this is why we love the NFL. It's it's tight. There's a lot of parity in the league. But I do think you look at the top four, five teams in the NFL, and I think there's a massive, massive drop-off. I'm including the Eagles in those top teams. Let's hope that continues. But I still think they're really talented. But you got, yeah, the Eagles, the Niners, Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs. And I think you throw the Cowboys in there, too. So really, those top six teams. But then I think there's a a big drop-off for everybody else, and that includes the Detroit Lions. I just don't think they're ready. I, get, I agree with you. I, I, would, I would say in the NFC, it's the Eagles, Niners, Cowboys. I would give Detroit its own tier, then you fall off a cliff. If you go to the AFC, I'd say Dolphins, Ravens. I still put the Chiefs in there. I'd probably give the Jags their own tier, and then you fall. There's a pretty precipitous fall after that. I, I would say that's that's how I would rank it in both conferences you know, the crazy thing is though you know something's going to happen on wild card weekend that'll surprise everybody without a doubt so that's what's so every beautiful year. about this that's the beauty of it all right let's get a timeout in here final break of the program we roll into our last segment we got a bunch of things to get into I want to bounce the uh so we know who the four heisman finalists are bill so we'll talk about that we'll get in uh jim leland gets selected for the baseball hall of fame i do want to circle it back to the cowboys who the eagles play uh, this Sunday as well. We got a lot to do. Don't go anywhere. Bill Colarulo, I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, 
Then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging with us. That's Bill. I am Rob. We are Sports Take. All right, Bill. So we'll get heavily into this tomorrow with the Cowboys and, you know, kind of breaking down where they're at, what they do well, what areas could be exposed as we do each week leading up to the game. I'll just throw a couple things at you to, you know, as a reminder of what the Eagles have in front of them. So they beat them. The Birds beat the Cowboys 28-23 week nine at Lincoln Financial Field. Cowboys come in nine and three. They've won four straight. Prescott, 3,234 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's completing 70.1% of his passes, and he's got a 108.3 passer rating. How much um, of the Prescott really strong season are you buying into that he's made some corrections? He's gotten better. How much of it is level of competition in your estimation? You know, it, it's tough to say because he does look really good when you watch the games. And he's got a lot of weapons. C.D. Lamb's unbelievable this season as well. So I, I think C.D. Lamb's elevated his game, which obviously is helping his quarterback. But I don't want to hate on Dak. I think what you've seen in previous years is, yeah, turnover machine, prone to mistakes. He's eliminated them this year. They don't have a lot of turnovers, and they do look good. Now, I will say, Rob, I can't stand the, here we go, before every snap. But outside of that, I do think that Dak Prescott is having a really good season, and I'm not banking on him turning into the Dak Prescott that we've seen in previous years. I think the Philadelphia Eagles, if they want to win that one seed, are going to have to earn it because I don't think Dak Prescott's going to make the mistakes we've seen. All right, Jerry Jones uh, said the Cowboys are not taking a backseat to the Eagles or the 49ers with the way Prescott is playing right now. He says, quote, I will say this. We sure have the opportunity. We've got the talent, the way Dak is playing, and we've got the opportunity to win any game we play against either of those teams. I mean, I don't disagree with that if if Dak plays that way. We know, you know what, Bill, the, the big question with Dak Prescott and and I'm going to say Mike McCarthy too, <clears throat> who obviously he's done a nice job. They're scoring a lot of points this year, and he's the play caller and all that. So credit where credit's due. But the big question with both of them is the playoffs. It's like the Sixers. Hey, it's great, man. You're racking up a lot of wins, and Joel wins the MVP, and awesome. And then you get to the playoffs, and it's kind of like, you know, either he's leaking oil because he's hurt, or they don't show up in a big game. And that's been the issue with Dak and McCarthy is not playing up to the standard you played at maybe during the regular season and or, you know, questionable decisions, whether it's play calling decisions or decisions by Dak to to throw a football. So this is all well and good, but we've seen this before. Yeah, it's a a great analogy. 
to the 76ers because you're, you're spot on. And I'm happy that the Sixers moved on from Doc Rivers, and I think they have a better coach. But I've never been a guy who's been sold on Mike McCarthy as the head coach. And even with clock management, you, know, you talk about some play calling. I think he's made a lot of clock management mistakes. So you're right. We'll see what the Cowboys have if they make the playoffs, which I think they will. And depending on how things shake out, you may get a Cowboys-Eagles playoff matchup, which would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't see a scenario where you're not looking at either Dallas or San Fran or or both you know, well, in some the, capacity. Yeah, and if the Eagles do get the one seed, let's hope that that's yeah. what happens. That would mean the Dallas Cowboys are probably your five seed, and they're going to get to play against – San Fran. Well, no, it would be the uh, NFC Eagles South. Early. Yeah. It would Actually, be the NFC right. South opponent in the That's wild right. card. So the Cowboys right. would probably be favored in that game. They're getting either the Falcons or the Saints. Yeah. So you're probably going to get the Dallas Cowboys getting an easier wild card game. And if they win that game, they're probably now going to get the Philadelphia Eagles if the Eagles are the one seed. So it could play out where the first playoff game is the Dallas Cowboys. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. But <laughs> You know, we'll see what the Cowboys do, but they, like we talked about a little earlier, playoffs is one thing. Cowboys have a really tough three-game stretch. Yeah. This is a really tough three-game stretch, and two of these games are on the road, and I saw that stat that they put up during the Cowboys game on Thursday night against the Seahawks, and you look at the statistics of Dak Prescott and the Cowboys when they're on artificial turf versus real grass, and... They'll be on artificial turf, unfortunately, at home against the Eagles. I think they've won, what, 14 straight home games. They've won 14 straight home games, correct. But then they go on the road to Buffalo, on the road to Miami, which I think both are real grass, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see what happens. I think Buffalo's real real grass, isn't it? How do you find that out? (laughs) Just do a Google search for Buffalo Bills playing surface. Yes. I don't know. I guess I always I always thought they were they were still that weird to that the next turf stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know what that because I don't know how uh, that you're correct. Well. They're yeah. gonna have natural turf on their new stadium, natural grass on their new stadium that's coming in twenty twenty six. But right now it is that artificial artificial stuff. But all right. So from Sean Desai a little bit earlier when he met with the media, he said, quote, uh regarding the defense and some of the things that are going on. Uh I've got to uh, I got to get to some calls differently and get them a little bit quicker and get them get to them in better situations. That's what I've got to be able to do. Uh, that's what's going to help our guys execute in a cleaner format. So I've got to do a better, there's a lot of better jobs being thrown out there, but um, you know, we started the game fast. We played really good in the first quarter. Then I didn't get to the things that we needed to get to fast enough. All right. So it's, it, they're all going kind of the Andy Reid route. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting Sean Desai to pull a Seth Joyner and come out there and say, hey, our secondary is afraid of tackling. And you know, so this is a, as expected. But look, all of these guys, we said it the whole show, all of these guys, the players, the coaches, now's their opportunity to show how they respond to a complete domination. And it wasn't just the players. They were outcoached. It was across the board. So we'll see what this Philadelphia Eagles team can do in a big response game on the road in Dallas. So it's an opportunity for all these guys. Yeah, no question. It's a it's a big, big, big spot uh, for this team. So 29th in red zone defense, 32nd 
in third down defense. I mean, that's if there's if there's anything you want to start with on on the defensive side of the ball, I, I that's where I'm starting. You know, it, get off the field on third down and be able to hold teams to field goals uh, when they get in the red zone. That's for sure. The other thing, obviously, uh, like we mentioned earlier, you got to start creating some more turnovers and and more sacks. Frankly, uh, there's too much money invested. There's too much money and high draft picks invested in the defensive line for them not to have more sacks than they do. If you think about it, Brandon Graham, first rounder, Josh Sweat, relatively high pick. Fletcher Cox, first rounder, Jalen Carter, first rounder, Jordan Davis, first rounder, Milton Williams, relatively high you know, pick. They should be getting home more. They should. They should be getting home more, and they sure as heck should pick it up against the run with whatever's happened the last couple of weeks. And turnovers and sacks are two areas we saw them do really well at under yeah, Jonathan Gannon last year. So I know it's a little bit of a change of personnel, but – not so much so on that defensive line. Really, the only thing that got changed on that D-line was you took Javon Hargrave, who's a great player, and you replaced him with Jalen Carter, who we didn't talk about those odds, still by far the favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would be shocked if Carter doesn't win. Yeah, I think right? he's negative. I think he's negative money right now. Yeah, I, that would, that would to me, uh, somebody would have to go nuts. Um, the One other thing I wanted to throw out there, uh, regarding the Cowboys, which, you know, again, this, I guess, falls into the takeaway category. Uh, but Deron Bland, eight interceptions just by himself. Uh, and he's got five pick sixes. So, but the thing is, he is a, he's Kyle Schwarber. He's either hitting it out or he's striking out. The teams are not afraid to go at him and nor should the Eagles be afraid to go at him. He'll make plays. But he'll get burned too, and you. There's no better example than what Metcalf and, like you said earlier, Smith the, the Jigba did against him. They took him to town in that game. Yeah, he's definitely a ball hawk. Definitely can pick the ball off. It's interesting because Trayvon Diggs, who's out for the season in Dallas, was pretty much the same corner, yep. a yep. guy who you had to be careful because he was a ball hawk and could pick it off and take it the other way, but at the same time would give up a lot of yards because he was susceptible to those double moves. So, Eagles, look, they didn't have a problem in the first game. A.J. Brown put up a good amount of yards against him in the first game they played, so I expect more of the same. They just need to be careful. They can't take any unnecessary risks with him because he will not miss. He won't do what the Eagles have done this year, which is unfortunately missed out on some interceptions. You saw Reed Blankenship. Would have been a tough one, but they haven't taken advantage of those opportunities when the ball's been up for grabs, and that's something Bland does better than anybody. Uh, the Angels' general manager came out and said, "We are flat out not trading Mike Trout." Uh, that means so, he's that means he's getting traded. That means he's good. He'll be in the next <laughs> spot. As soon as we sign off, he'll, he'll be getting traded. Yes, no, but take it for what it's worth. I, again, I I view that as the Phillies uh, would be dodging a bullet. And, I, and again, I love Mike Trout, but I just don't see Mike Trout staying healthy. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, for the Phillies. All right. Uh, speaking of baseball, Jim Leland selected for the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. W what are your thoughts on? I'm glad he got in. Yeah, I think so. He did it for a lot of years, man. Yeah. A lot of success. Yep. And does have a, uh, a championship. So um, the uh, the Heisman four final four have been announced. Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. Bo Nix of Oregon. Jaden Daniels of LSU, Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. 
Um, now I have to refrain. I'm a Heisman Trophy voter. Oh, so I have to refrain from saying we had to put we had to cast our ballots by yesterday. Okay, but we are not allowed to say who we voted for until after uh, the show. So uh, I'll ask you of that four, who do you think wins it? I think it's Jaden Daniels. I know LSU didn't have the same success as some of these other teams did, but you just look at his numbers offensively, and they were impressive. I mean, he did some things that have never been done before in NCAA football. He was spectacular. It was a great good. move. He transferred from ASU to there and has been awesome for them. Yeah, so I think he's going to do it. But, you know, I'd be pulling for Marvin Harrison Jr., local kid, right? I did would he too. go up here too? I know his yes. dad did, but he, he did. did too, right? Yeah, yeah, he did too. Yep. So I, yeah, I he went to St. Joe's Prep. He played uh, uh, with um, Jeremiah Trotter. Excuse me, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Kyle McCord, who just announced that he is uh, transferring from Ohio State. Those guys all played at St. Joe's Prep together, so pretty pretty stacked. Man, St. Joe's Prep, DeAndre Swift, Alameda Zacchaeus. A lot of good players have come through St. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, what, what they what they've been doing, man. What what they uh they are just churning them out, man, in a big, big way. Not my high school, man. Where did you where I did went you to go? I went to Bishop Eustis over here in okay. in Pensalkin, New Jersey. In my senior year, we had thirteen guys on my varsity football team. So needless That's to it? say, yeah, we didn't Jeez. leave we didn't leave the field, man. Oh. I played offense, defense, special teams. I mean, that was the good thing. You got a lot of a yeah. Lot of I mean, yeah. The, the positive is, man, you're getting time. You're not. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be exhausted after every game. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough to put together put together a team there. But and I think this year, same type of thing happened. They had to forfeit some games because they just didn't have enough players. Jeez, that's tough. That is tough. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's harder and harder. So many more. I think because of the, you know the health concerns and that kind of stuff, you know, it's it's taken its toll on certain programs. There just aren't as many kids playing anymore. The the sport. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd be I love football, obviously, yeah. and I played it, played it in college, but I don't know if I'm pushing my kid. I have a, I have a little boy. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm going to push him to the football field. If he wants to play, I'm not going to stop him. But it's not necessarily something I need for my son to play football, man. Because I played it, I know how brutal it is. So yeah. I don't need him to play the game. I don't need to relive my, you know, my glory days through him in any by yeah. any means. I, I had the same thing. I said he played flag when he was you know younger, and when it was time to to put the pads on, I said, "Look, I'm I'm not pushing you one way or the other, man. If you want to play, great. If you don't, no problem." Yeah. He didn't want to play. He played soccer, uh, and he played he played soccer, baseball, and basketball. You know, my son, and that, that was that was that kept him really busy. He played lacrosse too, kept him really busy and. But he never had the desire, so I was fine. Yeah, I feel in some ways like I dodged a bullet. I didn't want him yeah. to be beat up, you know. In, in some ways, bro, I've taken the complete one eighty, man. So I was played football, ice hockey, all these really physical sports, and yeah. now that I'm over forty, I'm a big golfer now. Never yeah. thought the day would come that I love golf, and I absolutely loved. I, I never understood it. I never understood how people could love the sport. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it, man. I, I just <laughs> love the fact that it's a constant constant struggle to try to get better and it's really like you're battling yourself there's a great video of michael jordan talking to steph curry about why he loves the game of golf and, and right youtube but if you guys haven't seen it it's really good it does it's like you're, you're challenging yourself you're not playing against anybody you're playing against yourself every single shot it's mm-hmm. 
keeps me sane. I need that com- that competitive uh, bloods throwing, you know, th- flowing through my veins. It I think you know what I think it is too, and, and tell me if you feel the same way. And I don't play as much as I would like to, just schedule wise, it's tough. But it's that it's that one or two great shots that you hit, and you convince yeah. yourself that I'm capable of this, right? But the problem is the the eighty other bad shots. That's the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's been a lot of fun for me was, you know, I'm not one of the, you know, weekend golfers who goes out for an excuse to, to drink beer. Like we do a lot of tournaments. Oh, dear. Oh, see, you're like pretty that. serious. So, okay. I mean, I suck. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. not good, but that's the beauty of a handicap is it levels the playing field. Yeah. So, but being able to play competitive golf because I can't look, dude, I was playing men's league ice hockey until a couple years ago and I'm starting to get injured. You're getting in fights on the ice and the, the ice times they give the men's leagues like 11 o'clock uh, at yeah, night, late at night yeah, on a yeah. Thursday uh-huh. night. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm getting in a fight at one o'clock in the morning on the ice with a guy in a game. That means nothing. Got to work in six hours. Yeah. So this is the only thing I have in my life that gives me some competition. man. I hear you. I hear you. I, I got to get you to over to the pickleball side, man. Everybody. Dude, I'm in. I play right. pickleball. So me and my girl, we play love. So pickleball. she was a big tennis player, was reluctant okay. to go. Oh, to so pickleball. She must be good. She is. So we just started playing a couple months ago. It's funny you said that. We're signed up for a tournament in February. Good. And we usually play at the Cherry Hill Racquet Club on on Tuesday nights. We're there sometimes. Good move. Yeah, that's it, Bill. All right, good man right there. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. The reaction you get from people about pickleball, I find this a lot. I hate pickleball. And my my reaction, I don't, I don't, I say, oh, really? Do you you play? Yeah. No, I said, no, I don't. Have you ever played? No. I said, you hate it, though. Well, I, I just hate it. Like, it's okay. addicting, Rob. It is addicting. It is. I, I love it, man. We're into it. We're all yeah. in. That's good, man. That's good. Uh, all right. So a couple other uh, odds and ends here. Uh, Eagle NFL. Uh, oh, we got what? Xander even checking in. Our producer saying what, pickleball is awesome. No, he loves it. He's a pickleballer. Oh, good. Nice. I like it. Support here. Because I usually, I'm, I'm swimming upstream a lot of times with pickleball, man. Everybody's taking shots and I'm fighting them off on pickleball. So pickleball is fun. Um, and I'll tell you, it's blowing up too. Oh, it's huge, man. Blowing up all over the place. That's for sure. All right. So a couple other, uh, Eagles odds and ends, uh, we mentioned there's no word yet on Zach Ertz and I don't really know how to read into that necessarily. Uh, the later we get into the week, obviously wherever he ends up, he's probably not going to be playing The, the, the three teams that I saw the Eagles, the Ravens, I saw the chiefs too. So maybe they're looking to take a little bit of give give a little bit of help to, to Kelsey. I just saw, and this came out yesterday, I guess, that John Harbaugh said we like our tar- tight ends. I think we'll roll with those guys. Mm. Well, so I don't know if that's just him posturing or if they're actually out of the running for him. Could be, right? I mean, it could be. Who knows? I I don't know. I mean, I, you know, are we sold that he wants to keep playing football? <laughs> I guess if he's got a shot to win another Super Bowl. I would think, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? You're not asking for your release if you don't want to go somewhere and try and win. Now that I'm saying yeah. it out loud. You know, thinking Does he still it. live? Does he still live locally? That's why I thought the the Eagles had the inside track cuz I thought he still lived around here. I don't know. I know his wife retired. So Julie uh, Ertz is done uh with the national team. And I don't think she's playing uh in her league anymore either. Um so I don't know what their what their setup is. Uh, I'm not sure. I know he's got a he, he still has a lot of charities around here that he is a big big part of. So that's maybe that pl- comes into play a little bit. Uh, I don't know. 
you know, exactly how that plays out. But I would say keep your eye on that at least this week. Um, you know, the as far as the injuries go, you're not going to see Zach Cunningham. Um, everybody else pretty much came back, right? Last week, I think. Yeah, I think they're I think they're pretty good on, on the injury front. You know, obviously no Nicobe Dean. No, he's Justin, done for the year. Justin Evans hasn't made his way back yet. Now he had a setback. I, yeah, I don't know how much playing time he'll get anyway. It's I unfortunate. Yeah. Because Justin Evans, when, when they signed him in the offseason, I went and really started looking him up and I'm thinking, man, if it wasn't for injuries, this guy started out his career. They took him in the second round out of Texas AM. Yeah. Really promising rookie season in Tampa Bay, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's one of the only guys I've ever seen truck Derrick Henry. If you YouTube that video, oh, Justin really? Evans, Derrick Henry, when he was at Texas A&M, he absolutely lit up Derrick Henry. So YouTube that video when the show's over. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I, I, the sense I got from listening to Sirianni regarding Shaq Leonard was he's going to get some time this week. He'll be on the field to some degree. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to give you a snap count or any of that, but you're going to see him a little bit, I would think. My guess is, and I have to go back and look at what system they played in, in Indy, but I'm, I'm sure they can do enough to kind of fake it and get him out there a little bit at least, I would guess. Yeah, I'm expecting him. I'm expecting him to play because you need him. <laughs> I mean, you, you need him, and you've now seen them, two guys they've brought in on that defensive side of the ball, Bradley Roby played right away. Yep. Kevin Byard played right away. So I expect Shaq Leonard to play right away as well. Yeah, I'm in the same boat uh, you're in, but it can't hurt, right? It's it's hard to have this thing play much worse <laughs> than you know than, than what Morrow did and 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 the rest of that crew. And, and I feel bad. Like you really, those guys shouldn't even be in those positions. Christian Ellis shouldn't be in the position that he was in. He should be playing special teams. <laughs> Yeah, he it's really, just, it really should rough. be. Thank God we haven't seen Ben Van Sumeren yet at the linebacker position, man. It, it's just, it's crazy how much they've ignored yeah. that linebacker position. It really is. But hey, maybe we got lucky. Maybe we got lucky with an all pro getting released Could this be. late in the season. Could be. Should be interesting. All right. Uh, Want to thank Xander Kraus uh, for producing the program. Appreciate it as always. All of you in the chat, all of you streaming, all of you listening. So Bill and I, you're, you're back, correct? I get, we got you tomorrow. We think I will be back tomorrow, but before we end Rob real quick. Yeah. So on my other show, I always do a today in sports history. Oh, go ahead. And I'm going to share this one with you. Cause it's interesting. Okay. December 5th, 1943 was the day the Steagles dissolved. Yes. So after one season, where the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles had to join forces because of World War II, yep. they dissolved today in 1943. There's a great chapter in Ray Diddy's Eagles Encyclopedia. I got it right in front of me. I have Eagles it right in front of me as well. <laughs> yeah. I have it right. It, great, was my, it was the textbook for the class that I taught at Temple, the history book, of sport man. in Philadelphia, and Ray Diddinger's Eagles Encyclopedia was the textbook. Okay. So I actually have – I can't show it to the camera because I have my – it's actually sitting on top of it. It's like I got you. I have it. I <laughs> yeah. have it right here. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a great great book. A great read. All right. Uh, appreciate it, Bill. Looking forward to hanging with you tomorrow, man. Appreciate everybody. And again, don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. We will see you guys same time tomorrow. Everybody have a great rest of your Tuesday. We will see you then. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Sports Stake. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.